Yeah, welcome yeah. team. Um, straight into it. Uh, so firstly, talking to the punters at home, um, we've done a couple of podcasts in the last couple of weeks and uh, they've got a great response. What we've worked out is that people just want to hear about the punt and the great <laughs> game and what goes on. Mm. Um, in that, so the formula going forward is trying to do it once a week. Um, the Jai <laughs> and Maddie, a couple of the boys who helped me with content here. And then the most important thing is that we always get really good guests in um, to to make the conversation really good. So I'll do my best oh, to get. What is something wrong with us? Or uh, <laughs> um, the no, you guys are great. You guys, thanks. You guys help me make the thank, get, thank you, you guys help me get the best most out of the guests. So the idea is always have great guests. Um, and if I can't achieve that, if I don't think the podcast is going to be up to the quality that um, I want, then we just won't run it for the week, and um, we'll do it a week or two later. But um, definitely put some feelers out to get some great guests. So um, hang Can't with wait us next week. Next Tuesday, next week, yeah. So we're not gonna we're not gonna do we won't do the pod next week. But what I am gonna do, which I think will be really good, is I'm gonna do a proper day in the life in the den. We've got a production company helping us with it, and I'm gonna talk you nice. guys through yeah everything. It's a good week to do it. Great week. I'm gonna talk you everyone who wants to watch talk through what happens in in the den on a big day like Melbourne Cup Day. Um, Kings will be betting in telephone numbers. The other boys will be betting big as well. Should make some really good content and um, provide a lot of insight. So with that out of the way, um, let's let's rip in. So. I want to probably shouldn't do this, but I want to start by doing what Matt Tripp, Betmakers, and News Corp want us to do, which is talk about Bet R. Um, it's a bit hard not to not to talk about them. I've when never heard bet, the name Bookie mentioned so much ever. Yeah, it's yeah. Bet R. I have the last two weeks. I'm getting sick of hearing about Bet R. <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. So um, I mean, I so six weeks or eight weeks ago, there was a story in the paper saying that Bet R offered points bet like about 300 million for their Australian business. And PointsBet said no and everyone moved on. Mm. What did occur to me is that with this promotional stuff they're doing of having $21 Animo, $101, um, all those different options that they've got. Five different options of $101. Yeah. So are, $10 they, maximum bet. are they budgeting that it's going to cost them $300 million? And to put perspective on it, PointsBet have about 240,000 active clients in Australia. So do they think that... They can lose up to two to three hundred million on this promotion, and they'll be in just as good a position as they were if PointsBet had agreed to let them buy the business. And possibly, definitely, yeah. I'd I'd say that uh, I'm guessing they've got two hundred thousand signups, and I think that it's costing them between a thousand and two thousand per client. Okay. So call it fifteen hundred. Yep. Times two hundred thousand. That's <laughs> what's that? Three hundred million. Yeah. So spending 300 million to get 200,000 clients. But the problem that I see with it a little bit is the 200,000 clients aren't, a lot of them aren't real. No, no. So well, I know you, people, well, they're getting their mum, their dad, their uncle, their auntie to sign up. Yeah, well, uh, I'm spewing I don't have a missus at the moment because, yeah. you know, <laughs> times two animo, well, that's 400 bucks. That, that's a date in Sydney, isn't Check. it? Check, I've done that. And then, uh, you know, we could find ourselves on JQ37 next October going to Bali or something, you know what I mean? If, uh, if Penrith get up and I mean, it's great. Get up. It's great for punters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sensational. Yeah. yeah. What um, do you think, Dan? Look, I think the guys involved are obviously smart guys, right? So they would have thought about all of this, modelled costing, all the possible scenarios if all the favourites win, if none of the favourites win and all that sort of stuff. So they would have done their numbers. I mean, we'd sort of sit back and pull figures out and this and that. I think they'll be successful. I mean, they've got that media footprint, obviously got a massive budget. And I look at it, another bookie's good for punters, really. Mm -hmm. You reckon they were... Smart guys behind it, for sure. Yeah, mm. so they'll know. They would have done all this. You know, so you think it'll be successful? I think, I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean... 
because trying to claw, claw back 300 million in this environment where it's so heavily taxed and margins are so thin, it, it's going to take a long time to get that back. Well, yeah, I guess I'd assume they've looked at that as well. I, I think this is a long-term play, mm-hmm. like to, you know, in, mm. in five, ten years' time to sort of be the dominant force in the industry. So comes down um, to the tech a lot as well. Mm. If their tech's as good as what sports bets are or lab rugs, then they will be successful. But if it's not, then yep. punters will probably gravitate back towards those two two big companies. Yeah. So tech's massively important. I reckon sports bet and lab rugs are just sitting back going, go for it, fellas. Like, and then they'll just be being pretty quiet and when is it, are. Is it good for the industry though as a whole? If somebody comes in and dominates, if, if Elon Musk wanted to become a bookmaker in Australia mm. and was get prepared to give a billion dollars into it, is that, is that good for our industry or not? I don't think there's any loyalty though to those people who buy that. Like your loyalty is to your app of choice, who you enjoy betting with. I've got mates who don't want to touch it because I'm a Ladbrokes guy. I'm yeah, a right. sports bet guy. Um, I don't even they won't sign up and have yeah. the $10 no. bets? No, really? I don't well. care. It's like, no, okay. I don't like the, you know, this is what I'm comfortable with, what I know. And that idea of just a little bit of uh, free money just doesn't really, um, okay. doesn't appeal I, to I them. I would so. have thought there'd and be I, that kind of loyalty. Yeah, part yeah, of our creatures I, of habit though. Yeah, exactly. And I think that loyalty is what they won't get by just throwing it there. Because um, most of the people have signed up out of nowhere because they know there's a bit of money on mm. offer. They won't stay with it. Mm. Do you think there's an issue with with the bonus bets that are continually being pumped out that for better in particular that for clients to deposit in future they will be demanding more bonus bets and if they don't get them they'll go and deposit elsewhere? Definitely. It's it's extraordinary what the industry's become and you're right, like punters, especially young punters, are so trained to get Mm. offered so much Mm. and it's not really sustainable. You know, like I don't like. It's it. good for putters, though, isn't it? Oh, it's unreal. And like I'm, like I, I signed up to the better thing. Like I, I, took, I was just like, well, why not? The thing I love most about it is like, I've got a couple bets on the, um, I've got a bet on the, World Cup. Like, yeah, I think I'm on Brazil. I can't remember who I back, but it gives me an interest in it. You know, and that kind of thing. So it's great. So yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome for punters and 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 um, but I think the bigger picture. I think that what's happening at the moment is really bad timing. The government are like. Mm. waiting to go hard at the industry and this like exuberant amount of promotion and like sort of incentive to bet, inducement to bet. I know there's like actually it's not officially an inducement to bet but it's pretty close to it and the mm. regulators well, are looking into it. I officially like, have no respect for my bonus bets. Like my, the okay. way I treat them, I don't care about them. Like it's, in, it's, pretty bad, it's a bad habit for me to be like whatever, I'll just you know, throw it out there and I think that's probably – going to be looked at heavily as a an inducement or a way in which problem gamblers are created through that. But, yeah, by, by giving people more, is it creating problem gamblers? Oh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about my own issues, but no, it's um, <laughs> I definitely yeah, think no, it, it's not good, though. Well, it puts you into a, a habit of, oh, it's there, and once that bonus money is gone, it's I think there should be a cap money. on it. I think it's great for punters that there are bonus bets, but mm. I think there should be a cap on it where you can only give away so much. Yeah, and I think – to your point, you know, with the bonus bets, people are looking for value, you know, $6 plus and stuff like, stuff like that with their $50. Yep. Um, you know, that, yeah, as you said, that's a bad habit to get into, you know, playing those bonus bets in that way. You know, just I think that's what they're playing for, if that makes sense. So that the yep. companies that, you know, they'll give these bonus bets, but people are, are going to look for value or look for those, you know, big odds winners rather than just chipping away and, and you know, being a bit more consistent, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. It is an interesting time to be uh, launching like a big player like Bedar when 
I think realistically we're all expecting that turnover is probably going to fall over the next five years because yep. of the taxes, because of the general economy and things like that. So mm. the, the, the pie is going to be shrinking and there's another big player looking to mm. grab a chunk of that. It, so it's, it's amazing though like to think there's 25 million people in Australia. If you were to tell them there's a free $1,500 if you sign up basically to bet R, will you do it? How many people do you, would you think would do it? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting... Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting that only 200,000 people have done it and there's 25... Yeah, but that's my guess, 200, I don't know. No. Yeah. Could yeah. Be there'll be more before I Tuesday. I think they'll be, they'll be yeah. pumping that 100 to 1 mm. thing up again yeah. for Melbourne yeah, Cup. Yeah, you're right. They'll go, it'll go ballistic for Melbourne Cup. And what's interesting as well is they didn't just do it on the Melbourne Cup. They did it on five different <laughs> events. Mm. It's a lot to give away. Oh, yeah. amazing. When I first... And, like, that's probably my point. Like, would they have got just as much impact by offering... Twenty-one dollars about Animo, well, and then and then shutting did. it off at that. Yeah. Imagine they went hundreds for Animo. Well, could, maybe they could have done could, that. They yeah. could have bet hundred to one Animo and just been done yep. with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, it makes a great theatre. At least there's another bookie in the market. Yeah. That's what Always I good. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else to bet with. They're going to bet the MBLs. Exactly. Good for punters. Yep. So my yeah my point is you know I follow all the regulatory stuff pretty closely and I think that yeah, the, the government are coming for us hard and I think this that are coming in the marketplace. They're playing by the rules and they're doing their best. Good luck to them. But I think that it's going to have – my personal opinion is it's going to have a bit of a negative impact and the government are going to go even harder um, when they bring in a whole raft of changes. And I've, I've got a bit of stuff to read just – and I'll keep it pretty brief, but to give people some background. First thing I noticed that happened like last week is the Green – in New South Wales, the Greens bought – this is in the New South Wales government – the Greens bought a motion to ban all gambling advertising. Anyway, it got – badly defeated like both Labor and Liberal voted against it so it didn't happen but it does mm-hmm. show you that those those movements out there and the Greens are they want to ban horse racing anyway so um, so I thought, thought that was interesting what the interesting part was is that the, the New South Wales Labor and Liberal governments both voted against banning it so that's a, that's a positive completely banning it yeah so do you think it'll be limited oh yeah do you think yeah, more than what it is now to, I'm not sure the exact rules yeah, around no, it they're but definitely we'll, like, and I've got, scale back, yeah. I've got some stuff to read out to give us an idea of where things are heading but um, yeah, I just thought that was that was a bit of a positive that you know the, the Greens basically don't want gambling, right? And it's good to see that they don't want Labor, horse racing. From our point of view, obviously mm. we love gambling. The Labor and Liberal government were like, yeah, no, that's too far. Mm. Um, but what? Um, uh, so there was a story in the paper like a couple of weeks back, and I'll read it and I'll try and get it. Only take me forty five seconds to read or something, but um, talks about what the Albanese government want to do with gambling advertising. So the Albanese government is set to unleash an advertising crackdown on online online wagering companies, forcing them to comply with a raft of pre-written taglines and other messages aimed at curbing problem gambling. In a secret paper titled National Consumer Protection Framework for Online Wagering, the government has stopped short of a tobacco-style advertising ban, which many in the industry feared. Betting companies are some of the biggest advertisers in Australia. Sportsbet, the largest online or corporate bookmaker, shell out $187 million in advertising and marketing expenses in 2021, while Ladbrokes and Ned spent a combined $128 million. In the paper, the Albanese government has drafted seven new taglines to replace the gamble responsibly statement that currently <coughs> features on online wagering advertisements. These are in response... Sorry, they are the government's response to a review... Former New South Wales Premier Barry O'Farrell completed in 2015 with the Commonwealth paying him a reported $50,000 fee for three months' work. The new government written taglines include, chances are you're about to lose, what's gambling really costing you, imagine what you could be buying instead, and what are you really gambling with? And these must feature at the end of gambling 
advertisements published across all mediums. Print, digital and social media ad- advertisements will have two more and they are think, is this a bet you really want to place? And also, what are you prepared to lose today? Set a deposit limit. While advertisements in TV and radio will have all, one extra line, you win some, you lose more. Wow. So, it's, had you, did you guys know that? that I didn't know it, no. Did not know First that. time I heard it. No. Interesting. Mm. That'd be like Macca's having like at the end of it saying, if you eat this, you're going to get fat. Yeah. Like it's mm. crazy to think that could be in place. Well, it's mm. happening. Like they're going to do it. And that's, that's probably my point that like they're going to be looking now and seeing this like insane amount of... I was interested to hear. Um, I was interested to hear Peter Volandis at the lunch we at the Calcutta uh, lunch saying that all gamblers lose yeah. last week. Yep. I was surprised he he said that. Because mm. um, yeah, I mean, it's just not true. Like, no, but it is true. Ninety nine point nine percent of them lose. Yeah. So yeah. not all of them lose, but there's yeah. there's not many that win. Is there really yeah. anything wrong with losing? Like, no. If it's entertainment, yeah, I mean, course. like for, yeah. betting on racing, sports, or whatever's an amazing like intellectual challenge. It's amazing entertainment, especially if you're doing you know socially with mates and things like that it's no different if you go and pay a few grand to join a golf club or yep. if you play video games and spend a hundred a month sort of buying in-app like purchases and things mm. like, like people that love shopping. They people love like, shopping people shop for hobby right? really? they spend fifteen hundred two thousand dollars a year on clothes in the in yeah. the year they've hardly worn them then they don't they just sit in the cupboard doing nothing hundred percent the money's buying a boat that's one yeah. of the greatest. It's about control though yeah. i guess people losing more than they could afford there's more yeah. the education around that i think is very important hundred percent because sports bet or Ladbrokes, whoever, just pumping the multis, the multis, the multis. But yeah. people got to realise that it is for fun. Yeah. And they aren't going to yeah. win. I think. And that's what Valandi's point was. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Um, Which I agree with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not many people win. No. But no. there's nothing as dancers. There's nothing wrong with losing as long as you know that you are probably going to lose and you're budgeting for that loss. Mm. Like going to the movies or footy or whatever. And it's getting even harder to win at the moment because you're betting to such big percentages. But that's the industry has to be that way so that the game can get being put. It's on. amazing that like Ladbrokes and I can't remember the sports bet figures probably about the same. They're 120 million a year on advertising in mm. Australia. A lot of money. Obviously, it's great for the people who are getting part of that. 120 yeah. million. Should there be a cap on that? Is that too much? Yeah. Should you only be allowed to spend say 50 million? Because what they're doing is blowing all the other smaller players out. At the moment, they got through COVID. Uh, COVID was the you know golden period for a lot of the smaller bookies, medium to smaller bookies. Now the reality set in, and it's hard. The taxes have gone up. Sports bet better now, and uh, Ladbrokes are still pe- spending the 120 million a year, and the smaller ones can't keep up. So, yep. and that's uh, do 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 the governing bodies want? How many bookies are there now? Say 100. Yep. Do they want that many, or are they happy with? 50 being cold and there being 50, 50 bookies in the market. Like what is the perfect landscape? Well, they can't, like, I don't do think, think they can stop people becoming bookies. They can't stop them but well, I guess they, they can, can tax them out of the market. Actually, it's in, in America they have licences. Like, there's only like eight bookies in New York and things like that. What, the, what I think is a big issue, which we've kind of talked about in a roundabout way, and this would be a hugely unpopular point of view of mine, but I reckon probably they should bar bonus bets. I think the industry would be better off without bonus bets. I think what it does is create a marketplace where like Ladbroke sports bet better to a degree and tab totally dominate. And then you've got all these other smaller operators who can't possibly compete. And like Punters love bonus bets though. You're taking something away from punters by doing that. I know. I just think there should be a cap on everything. I think that you shouldn't be able to spend more than 50 million a year on advertising. You can go up to 50 million. I think that bonus bets should be capped at X amount per week per client. So I think everything should be in moderation. I think it's getting 
blown out a bit too much where the big players are getting too big, the smaller ones are really struggling and the industry as a whole, the percentages are a little bit too high so people are losing their money too quick. Everything should be capped and just brought back a little yeah. bit and then we've got more players in the market and more people, more people surviving. Mm. It's better for everyone. Because I do think it would become something that the ACCC would look at is that they're, they're trying to look at when marketplaces aren't fair and at the moment when the, the bigger bookies are giving away so much and dominate the marketplace so much and that doesn't create a sort of a fair competitive mm. marketplace, um, I think that's when they start to look at it and I think we're at that point now. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I say from my point of view because I don't get any bonus bets so it doesn't affect me at all. I completely understand that everyone's going to be like, that's when small, when small to medium bookies have to reduce their turnover to stay in business, then, you know, it's sort of, there's an issue. Would you assume some smaller bookies are doing bonus bets, you know, to you know, and losing out of doing that because they have to try to compete? Hundred so, percent. Oh yeah. So they that's why they're pulling their hair out. Like especially yeah. the small ones, they're just like why you know how why would anyone bet with anyone other than the big joints on Saturday because they just give you so much of a better deal. Yeah, it must be very know. difficult if you you know it's going to cost you tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in bonus bets. And you're still going to lose regardless. You know, it's um, ten, it's year, ten, fifteen years ago there was no such thing as a bonus bet. Yeah. like it was just unheard of. Like if you yep. you had a bet and you went up the booking and said, "Oh, give me something," they just Woodcock gave out biscuits. Free Cordella with free. Oh, free was, yeah, I was the only one who did it when we worked at Woodcock. Yeah. He'd give away ten fifty dollar bets a day, and he'd take ten thousand bets. Don't forget the biscuits. Yeah. Biscuits. The biscuits are great. Are great. <laughs> They're always good. The free biscuits. Uh, free oh, Cordella. <laughs> um, righto. So that's so. Yeah, the industry's got a bit of work um, to do. Richie, when is though those legislations coming in around those wording, the phrases? Do you think is that supposed to be coming very in soon? Soon, and they are. There's also the House of Representatives have commissioned a report um, as well into online gambling, problem gambling. So there's. But what about the poker machines? Like seriously, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. What about bonus bits yeah. of gambling? What about the pokies? Like. Yeah. I was going to say before, we're talking about people losing the cost of entertainment, but the thing about betting on racing or sports is it's any one individual still has the hope and the possibility that they can win. I mean, anyone mm -hmm. can win. It's, it's not restricted to yeah. – yeah. right? it's just a matter of, of skill and learning and work and, mm. and things like that. So it's not – in saying that's a cost of entertainment for most people, that's the way the percentages will always be. But any one individual still has the potential to improve and win get a huge amount of enjoyment pursuing that goal mm. and for a percentage of people and we're amongst that group you end up you know sort of exceeding that and and it becomes a you know part of your life so um yeah i don't i don't see a huge problem with the way some of those things are headed i think the advertising restrictions are fine i mean i think if it helps to maintain balance in industry and keep all the stakeholders happy and allow the sort of game to pursue it or find a way to adapt and overcome and keep pushing forward. It's never been a better time for a small punter. Oh, if you're a $100 punter, so there's no good. excuse. Yeah, so good. Yeah, if you're losing, yeah. if you lost on Saturday... Your boosts and you your bonuses. And yeah. yourself. You your $2 lines. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Matty? Did you win or lose? I think I actually ended up winning, um, which go. is a strange feeling. So uh, I'll, You got I'll a multi-up yesterday. Yeah, too. I got a multi-up yesterday. Thank <laughs> you very out. much. Well, yeah, you talk about the... Uh, yeah. My skills aren't aren't great, but you know, I I'm, I think it was luck yesterday. I got a multi up in any. Well, uh, we keep. We, uh, we all need luck. That's yes, sure. it's interesting. How long have you been punting for, Matty? Oh well, I did. Like. I, was, I was first uh, um, introduced in the the late nineties through Warren, but then um, only really last year or so. So and just recreationally, a um, bit of fun and intensifying the my sporting experience. I suppose, like you're mm. talking about, Dan. Mm. Like the um, the idea is for. 
you know, to be a bit of fun and uh, for some enjoyment. So um, everything changes when you have a bet, doesn't it? Like when you're watching the footy, you have it at a bet, in the background, you chat and you mess around the phone, then you have a bet and like every single tackle <laughs> they miss or where they kick, why every did you kick it there? What did, it's just, you just zero in on it so much more. It's, yeah. I love it. Because yeah, um, I love sport and it does bring another element to that. Um, and I suppose the secret is just betting within those means that you yeah. do have and mm. to make it enjoyable as opposed to, you know, and I take my losses, my wins, you know, of, you know, Similar vein, you know, mm. um, they come and they go, but it's um, it is enjoyable to win, of course. Um, I always say you can't go high. You start at fifty, then you go to hundred, then you go to two hundred, then yeah. you go. To, and I always say you can't go back. Just you don't get the same thrill out of having fifty bucks on as you did two hundred. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that. And it's nice to be too hard too early to watch you guys operate and do your thing. Like I get to understand staking and what it means and being within those realms of what is to me makes sense. You know. It's, yeah. It's kind of funny if I'm cheering winning, uh, you know, 50 bucks and at the same time, you know, you might have won tens of thousands, you guys, and um, you're as relaxed as possible. I'm cheering like I'm gone, you know, the, it's the best day of my life and um, I've won about 0.1% of, of the amount you've won. It's so about it's the a, buzz you get though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a bit, a bit of fun. I mean, you know. Betting is and all relative and in some ways the, the money is really just like a scorekeeper. Sometimes mm. you don't. You know, like it's about beating the game and doing well. Mm. The money is just all relative to everyone. Like I always say, you don't have to bet big to be a successful punter. Everyone's got their sort of comfort zone. If you're making your percentage betting levels that you're happy with. Mm. And yeah, sort of and that's very much better. my approach. I bet, yeah, yeah went reasonably small, but I have goals yeah. that I try and like when I get this chunk of money, I'm like, that goes like, you know, redo my bathroom or <laughs> do something back. Yeah, but it does. But that's what I like and yeah. I, you know, and then. And I'm content, content, happy with that, and I've always been that style, that size punter. Like, Darling, oh, no bathroom this year. Sorry. It's <laughs> the funniest thing too. Like, my, well, like it'll be fucking famine for like two years, yeah. and they'll be like, "Babe, we do the backyard, we do the bathroom, <laughs> da da da, book a trip to France," and then then it just goes quiet again for two years. That's an but, interesting point you raise because years and years ago, when I started, just when I started taking the game seriously, a guy gave me a bit of advice and said. Whenever you make money from racing, then take it and do something with it. Mm. Whenever you leave it, it in the pot, it's always possible <laughs> to lose it. Mm. Yeah. But as soon as you take something and do with it, you can always yeah. look at that thing and say, well, punting bought me that or mm. paid for that trip or got that new bathroom. Mm. But even saying. like in your – like book a trip with a girlfriend or a mate. Yeah. Like you've got to like Go have a big a date win. or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. definitely do something, you know. Yeah. Don't just um, – you do need that bank though, though, if the if the bad run comes. If you're winning too much, if I'm talking about doing it professional or semi-professional, if you're winning too much, you're winning a 30, 40% on turnover, you know it's not going to last. You know so don't go spend it all because you yeah. know you're going to come yeah, yeah, yeah. back to a level where you're going to give some back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. For me, you know, it's all about having fun with mates, like having a big night out after a good win and stuff like that, you know, at the races or something like that, Chinese meal, not too bad. 100%. But I saw um, <laughs> Den member Kieran Evans, he was out with his missus on Saturday night yeah. after, he, after he had a few up there. So, yeah. How good. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what it's all about, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, and before we sort of move on from talking about the industry, the point I wanted to make was uh, they – the newspaper article mentions the Barry O'Farrell review in 2015 and that the, that the government are acting upon it. Mm-hmm. We all jumped all so over that as punters and we're like, sorry? Oh, sorry. Oh, I was saying seven years. You know, right. It's, it's a, so mm. in it, like I hammered Barry O'Farrell in to the point he was literally answering him on Twitter, like saying, yeah, mate, we've, we know, we'll, we'll deal with your stuff as well because I was trying to get a bit of deal for punters. So they, Barry O'Farrell got the social services department to do a review into behaviour of online bookies and account restrictions, whatever. And they did it, they produced the report and nothing's happened about it. My point is the government are now saying, yep, cool, we're ready to start bringing in these changes 
that Barry O'Farrell introduced and one of them was that Barry O'Farrell said you need to go and look at account restrictions. So what the federal government need to do is they need to say we've considered everything, we're making no changes or we've considered the, the evidence we've given and we're making these changes but what they can't continue to do is do nothing. Okay. So I just want to make the point that I'll be jumping all over that in the next couple of months. And I, I have so what a, do you want to happen though? What's, what are you gunning for? I want a minimum bet limit across all sport Great. in Australia. Yeah. And, I, and maybe we when won't When you say it. across all sport, because rugby league, they bet on 300 markets. So, you, yeah, so, I th- so I what think about fair, the smaller markets? I think, I think a fair thing would be if a bookie puts a, a price up, they have to bet to win $500. Yeah, on everything. Yeah, on everything. And yep. then the bigger things like... You know, like an NFL game, like head-to-head NFL game, a thousand. You know, but if it's a out from the moment they put the price up, yes, okay, yeah, that'd be great. Yep, and maybe we tear it. Maybe it's so that the small, like smaller bookies, when they're getting going, maybe it doesn't apply to them for six months or something like that. Like, Mm. I want to, I don't want it to be all about the punter, but there's no way it's fair on the punter at the moment when you can go and have a bet with someone and they reject the bet entirely and turn Mm. the price off. I agree with that. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. Anyway, moving on from that, so let's let's talk about Cox Plate Day. It was an outstanding day. Um, couple comments. J-Mac, best in the world? Best in the world as a jockey? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say, yeah. I think the Australian jockeys are the best jockeys in the world and he's yeah. the best in Australia at the moment. So, yeah, I'd and, say so. Um, we're going to try and get him in here? Yes. Yep. Hopefully. Which good. He knows about the den. He was, uh, after BZ was on here, he was, BZ, Brent Zarafa was down in Melbourne yeah. and I think J-Mac said something like, oh, I saw you. So you yeah. on the den, the den yeah, looks cool. cool. So that'll so we'll try and get him in there. I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to talk to um, people who are at the top of the game and also are so professional and focused. He seems like very smart. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You think he's the best in the world, Dan? Probably. I mean, it's obviously subjective. Zach's not happy I'm, about that. Sorry, Zach wouldn't be happy. <laughs> <Yeah. about that. laughs> he was. He was. He was. There was Zach said if J-Mac wants to make real money, come to Hong Kong. Did you see that? Yeah. 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 He said he was mad not to be there. Yeah. Zach's obviously yeah. the best in Hong Kong and yeah. J-Mac's the best here. Is there, anyone, is there anyone else in the mix? There's probably a couple of guys in the UK that people would sort of tout. Um, I think it's all subjective. Yeah. I mean, it's probably – if we just talk about Sydney and even if you look at figures and stuff like that, there hasn't been anyone uh, dominate Sydney like James McDonald does since mm. Beedman's era, when Beedman was at his prime. That we mm. probably remember – even I'd be riding these things at Canterbury on a Wednesday that you'd think should be $12, $14 chances. They SP $4 and win. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just like, that was just yeah. the – and, and, and uh, you know, probably the, the riding depth is deeper in Sydney now than maybe it was back then. There's a lot of outstanding riders. But, yeah, he's clearly at the top of the tree. And, and um, uh, like, I've spoken to him uh, on occasion just – related to sort of some some other business horses he was riding and stuff like that for people that I help. And I was so impressed with the thought that he put in pre-race about tactics. He knew every horse. He knew what they're likely to do, the stage of the prep they're at, how that might dictate how they're going to be ridden and what that meant he was going to do. Mm. And one of the things I observe is that he just gets his horses into the right spot much yep. more often than other jockeys. jockeys. We saw that with Anima and the Cox Plate, totally. right? Yeah. Like different jockey, different yeah. sort of intent, could have been a totally different race outcome. Um, but that's the thing I observed about him. He just gets his horses. So a different jockey thund- um, Thunderstruck might have won, you think? Uh, I don't know if a different jockey, but different race scenario quite possibly. Yeah, different pace if you reverse the barrier draws. If you reverse the barriers, Animo doesn't end up in that position. There's mm. no way. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's the thing about James McDonald's I've noticed. He just gets his horses into the right spot more often than – or into a, an optimal spot more often than, than other riders. He relaxes do. them so much too. Yeah. Yeah, so full I mean, credit to him after he came back from the uh, suspension. Yeah, 
however many years ago that was yep. now. But, but it, it, he's it, worked it, super hard, yeah. focused. It's but it happens to – like you look at three – probably three best New South Wales jockeys of the last 20 years. Huey and Corey both had yep. – Huey had an indiscretion a million years ago. Corey yep, had a Corey. bad indiscretion. Corey? Corey Brown. Yeah, yeah, he had some dramas. Yeah. Oh, you're saying like best best uh, jockeys to ride in Sydney, you're saying? No, oh, like th <laughs> three of them, but like in – yeah, in the last 20 years, like three, yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, okay, my, my, my point Talk is, to us there. Talk to us. What have we got? My you, point is any that indiscretions, there, Rich? Yeah. I've had a million. <laughs> I've got a million more to go, but no one gives a fuck about my indiscretions. <laughs> <laughs> um, no suspensions. Uh, but one thing – so you, you're quite friendly with people at Dali and, and whatnot. Can you give us any insight on um, what they think? Oh, like I know a couple of the guys. I wouldn't say I'm sort of uh, yeah, friendly as such, but um, – I mean, I know Dominic, who's obviously close yep. with James and, and things like that. They're just super professional operation. I mean, they cross every T, dot every I, plan the preparations of their horses meticulously. Um, they've obviously got a huge team behind it at the properties they manage. One of them's out my way at Osborne Park there. Um, no expenses spared and, and the, as I said, the level of attention to detail that goes into every single horse. So you go out, head out there much? Uh, no, no. I have been there for a couple yeah. of things in years gone by and sort of had a look around. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're great operations. not easy to manage a massive team like that. And, yep. and you look at a horse like Animo, you know, top two-year-old, three-year-old. Yeah, and it, it, this is an embarrassing question, but it's it can be a stallion, right? It's a <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he will be. Yeah, yeah. I just wasn't sure. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure if it was a gelding or not. Mm. But um, yeah. and so we, I mean, it's we're, it's gonna mm, yeah, it can race next autumn, but then it's they're obviously gonna send it the breeding barn. Yeah, they're talking about travelling him overseas, which would be great. Um, Ascot, obviously. Yeah, possibly um, Dubai. I mean, given yep. the ownership of, of the operation, sure. um, yeah. Dubai. I think that's like March or something. Some of their big races. So there's a couple of races over there that he's probably up to winning or being in the finish. Um, I don't think he's – certainly in a rating sense for people that objectively measure performance, I don't think anyone would disagree with this to say that he's not at the elite world-class yep. level. He's sort of a, a step below that. Yep. Um, but there's still plenty of races around the world that he'd be good enough to be right in the finish and, and win on a given day. Mm. Um, and, and who's to say that he's not going to be better again in the future? Yep. I know James McDonald believes that. So um, Is he the best horse in the country? No, nature strips best horse in the country. Okay. Yeah. King? 100%. Yeah. Down and no. Yeah. Yeah. I think I love nature strip. Yeah. yeah I'd I say mean, nature strip why too, is nature strip a better horse? Oh, it's just it's just body of work and performances. I mean, nature strip's a horse that's run to the elite world class level multiple times through his career, all in group mm. one races. Um, I think prior to this Everest, his record in grand final races, so call them group ones plus Everest. Um, I think he'd been in his last six or seven. He'd won all bar one of them, and the one that he was beaten was that Lightning Stakes where he was hammered out of the barriers and then just got beaten by um, Home Affairs. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, the Everest was sort of, I guess, the first blot on his yep. copybook in terms of grand final races that he was set for. And just in a you know measuring performance sense, so people like I do, and there's others around doing ratings and things like that. I mean, he is a world class. Yeah. World class. Well, look, how good was it when he won an Ascot? Yeah, that was, mm. that was, oh, it was amazing. That was just that right was at the magic top. Moment. Yeah, just the way he shit in. It's just yeah. so yeah. good to see. So he's definitely the best horse in definitely the best horse in the country. Um, and could, what happened in the Everest? Why do you think? What was? Is there excuses or he just just one of those days? Um, I think horses aren't machines. Yeah. Like I think Nash staying wide on Eduardo made J Max sort of cover more ground. Mm -hmm. um, they did go pretty quick, and and he sort of battled on well. Um, 
Got pushed off on the turn. Yeah, yeah so it's all those sort of things. Like, and and um, I think I think everyone thought at the two hundred it was just going to be over. I mean, he was still uh, travelling like under a hold. It's just when he didn't have that sort of late strength, um, you could put that down. I think to partially the sort of tough run because of the extra energy that he spent out there. Um, so he's going to Flemington. Giga Kick was impressive, but I. Back nature strip to bounce so back. So he's day running the Dali. Yeah, I believe That's so. Yeah, be and I, I believe Giga Kick's mm. going there as well. You'd think um, like. So what's going to be the betting like? Yeah, what is there betting? What's the betting kings? What do you think? Is there betting? I look. There it probably up. is. Yeah. Someone will be. Probably. I haven't looked. Surely nature yeah, strip have will be favourite. Guys, yeah, Giga Kick, I think yeah. down the straight nature strip. Well, it was a dollar ninety last time, and Giga Kick was twenties. I'd say probably. I don't know, six to four, five to four. Nature Strip won't be big odds. No, mm. he'll be five. Two twenty or something. Kick oh, kick will be six dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Seven dollars so maybe. While I look this up, um, do you want to give Jai your mic? Mm. I've got a question for um, that. We'll start with you boys. So on the Cox Plate, it's more yeah. related to you boys. Yeah. Um, the common people. Common people. <laughs> the commoners. <laughs> uh, Robbie Dolan horses. Mm-hmm. Are we? Do we bring Daryl back next year, or was Robbie's? Did Robbie obviously uh, it was it was well received? Um, there was a lot of. That's all right. Okay, we'll get I've got my thoughts. I've got yep, my okay. thoughts. Okay. <laughs> I'm a traditionalist. Uh, I can't um, say I'm for changing. You know what's not broke. You know, and um, where was Daryl? Yeah, that's yeah, a great that's question. Where, anyone? Do you know? Do you know suspension? Why was it a, wasn't there? <laughs> 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 was it a vocal cord injury? <laughs> something was something wrong. I don't know. It was um, I doubt they just got rid of him. Didn't come like, up for the prep, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you were. What oh, are you, are you? Look, I I thought Robbie Dolan did a good job, but I thought the crowd didn't quite bring the uh, NRG of uh, last week or two weeks ago's crowd at the Everest. He's done it again. That's I think the, the I don't. Sweet I Caroline not, at Everest. Sweet Caroline, <laughs> so, so good. I, so good. That's what I think. But I, he did. Pivel keeps beating them at every. And that's it. But it's their own game. He's done it exactly. again. Like they owned horses at the at the Valley on Cox Plate. Pivel comes in and and like. Sweet Caroline, I mean, it's PVL would choose that. And it's not the, but, but <laughs> you, he, but like, He's a Tom Jones kind of guy, you think? <laughs> yeah, but, and, and then he, but he made it go Neil on. Diamond, sorry, like, I no, love t- it, but I'm like, I'm ancient. But somehow PVL convinces all the kids at the Everest that they should go after that. And they did. Yeah. It was amazing to see that panning camera shot and everyone just seeing. Just, oh, it was so all good. time. It was all so time. Like, I'm, giving, I'm giving the points victory to PBL. the PVL there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Because I, I was at the Cox Plate when Winks won a. Fourth Cox Plate, and you know Daryl was out, and it was grouse. There was good energy. <laughs> However, I've seen some replays of the Robbie Dolan. I thought he sung well, but the crowd didn't go with him. Yeah, the crowd didn't. Yeah. And the crowd in Sydney, went they, 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 they went, went off. Yeah. Okay, so what we're going to do? Cool. Robbie Dolan singing "Sweet Caroline" the Everest next year. That's what we've decided. Yeah. Do you Sweet think PBL he, get on board? I think you did ask that. <laughs> He's question. He's got a beautiful voice, Robbie Dolan. Yeah. Oh, he, he can sing. Oh, he, he, can sing. Yeah. Like, yeah. he can sing. Yeah. So it'll, it'll have to happen every year at the Everest, you think, now? You think they've set the precedent now that Sweet Caroline must happen? Oh, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to go next year just for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. I love that stuff. There's nothing, there's nothing better than a crowd singing music. Like, you know, you know when you, like, you watch Robbie Williams and he's got a 100,000 people and they start singing Angels and he doesn't sing. Like, that's the AFL, best. Yeah, yeah. yeah the best. I feel like it's that. And it was good this year because um, Flindell didn't uh, interrupt. Um, l- last year he, uh, he said, correct weight through on, right, <laughs> through yeah. on race eight <laughs> <laughs> as I'll kick you off a sweet Caroline. So. <laughs> they did it the year 
Oh, yeah, yeah, oh. it started last year. I'm pretty oh, sure it was okay. the first oh, year. Okay. So, okay, cool. Yeah, but um, that was an interesting one. The, the fans, he almost got booed out of there for yeah. I think for that. What do you reckon the meeting would have been like between you know thinking are we going to go Sweet Caroline or horses? Like, do you reckon there was a discussion about it, or is it just going to be we've got to go something different, something cutting edge? Yeah, I think well they like they do it a lot of games in America, yeah, like the Red Sox yeah. do a lot. It came in after the Boston bomb, Boston Marathon bombing. Okay. Like a day or two after they were all at Fenway Park and someone was like, we need to make everyone happy. Let's. I think mean, Neil Diamond did it. Neil Diamond went to Actually Fenway Park, there. sang Sweet Caroline and just went off. Mm. That's why I think it's going to happen. That's probably where they got it from. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, quick question for you. So you were on Saturday, you were a cricket? Correct. And my question is how... How good is the punt going amongst your age group? How old are you, 25? 26. You're 26. So on Saturday, how many people in playing cricket with you are on their phones betting oh. and, and all that? Oh. 100. Yeah, it's massive. Um, probably, you know, probably half the team, to be honest with you. Are. Wow. Um, and, you know, blokes are talking about it all day as well. You know, the, the scores are coming through um, on the group chat, but, you know, also the results coming through. Yeah. Um, so but, did, you, did you guys watch a Cox play yeah, so I was not required uh, with the bat. So I was, yep. yeah, I was just sitting there in the grandstand out of Coogee. Uh, wasting uh, your life. Yeah, exactly. Wasting your life. Exactly, oh. which is always good. But um, yeah, no, uh, amongst people my age, it, it's huge. Um, yep. And it, it's a huge point of, you know, uh, a social sort of um, setting and stuff like that. You know, if we're, if we're not playing cricket on a Saturday, we're down at the pub having a drink and, and having a bet. Yep. Um, and, you know, discussing all things racing or, or sport as well. Um, but yeah. It's huge amongst people my age for sure. Yeah, cool. It's a dead giveaway. You watch this, instead of the phones being this way, it's yeah. the phones so, this way. Sideways yeah, phones. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're not watching Netflix either, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. It's, I it's, love it. I saw someone on the Uncle Gus when I was on the way home last week. This is the, the he's talking about the bus. The bus. People, the bus. People, <laughs> a lot of people won't understand, but I had to work at yeah, yeah, Sorry, sorry. He had the sideways <laughs> phone. He was on sports, but on the way home, I thought, you know, I respect that, man. I love that. I love to say it. Volume up. We've got Wolfden and business cards. You can slide one Kings, we can still remember an era he couldn't even watch replays after the race. I know. Yeah, exactly. We had to buy the videotapes. Yeah, the videotapes couriered out. No, so I want, I want to. We're going to move on to talking about you and, and and your sort of getting into the pump. But just to finish yeah. off, so the the sprint at um, Flemington Nature Trips a dollar ninety, Giga Kick six dollars, Bella Nicotina eight dollars, Lost and Running eleven dollars, and then we sort of go on from there. Yeah, so I think that's mm. right. it's good win, Bella Nipotina, um, huge on Saturday as well. Yeah, just shitting, didn't it? Mm. I can't see. Seems a bit short one ninety. I just think I think Nature Trips will kick. I do too, but I don't. In. I wouldn't take one ninety. I bet you take a dollar seventy on the day. Yeah, so um, a lot of people watching will want to know a bit more about you. Yeah, you're well known in this in the little punting world that we're in. But can you take us back to when you first got into punting? And uh... yeah, so it was the mid '90s. I was just introduced to racing. I had a little bit sort of family punters and you know little things, but nothing that influenced me. But Went to a race day with my job at the time, just social thing at Rose Hill. Just loved the atmosphere of the track. The, the so how old thing. are you then? Is it, you... Uh, I was 20. Yep. Yep, I was 20. Um, grew up with horses, not race horses, but horses. So I sort of loved horses. Um, and coming out of that and being like analytically minded and numbers and, you know, things like that, straight away went bookshop, tried to find books on racing, found the Don Scott books, immersed myself in that, had spreadsheets set up and just started doing form basically, like mm -hmm. getting the sportsman. Had no idea what I was doing, but yeah. – Followed the books, you got to a point where you thought you knew what you were doing and then a year later you realised 
you didn't and it's just that sort of evolution and yeah I just I just started through a hobby and just and did you start reaching out to people in the industry straight away or was it just you on your own in your it was just me and mine there was no yeah. the so internet you didn't know was, and, yeah. no the internet was still then like <laughs> infancy sort yeah. of thing like um but one of my um I had a few sort of influences after that that probably you know kept me sort of kicking on with it so one of my friends at uni at the time she was dating Nick Reed, so there was oh, sort wow. of yeah, you know, chat it's there and then the, the declaring things and stuff like that, and, <laughs> and, and then they'd win. I'm like, oh, how good's this? You know, um, and then someone else that I knew, another guy, he was going to the races every week, and he said, oh, you just get a membership, only costs you, you know, a couple hundred bucks or whatever, and you can go every week. And I thought, oh, I'll do that. So um, yeah, so I started, got a membership, and started going to the track every Saturday, <laughs> and and just. Uh, you know, I was going there betting very small, mm. um, but just, yeah, in the members' ring, sort of seeing people around, you know, eventually saw Kings and Sean running around. How and all good the was other the track sort of, back then? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So, you, but you didn't, you didn't, you weren't friends with Kings? No, back not, then? not back then. So I was only, like I said, in my early 20s. And were they, had they, had they, Kings won't like me sort of talking about this, but had they started, could you, were they known as the Bartholomew brothers and did they have presence in the ring then? Um, no yeah, there would have been a time. Like I probably didn't recognise it, right? Like I didn't yeah. know anyone else there. You'd see people and say g'day and you might, you know, because you see the same faces every week. But I was just sort of keeping to myself, just yep. sort of observing um, doing my form, I might drive from you know where I live out Hawkesbury Way to Ramwick, which is a long way, and have like mm. three bets a day because they were the only overlays that I yeah. found, sort of thing. So you've always I'd... been disciplined with your. Well, I was going to yeah, say yeah, that's yeah. so disciplined. Yeah, right. Right. So, that. that drive, I would have been on every race. But surely. Thing, like now, you get every time you if your horse you're a little bit wrong, like and your horse runs second or fifth, they give you double your money back. Oh, imagine you, imagine, you, went up to, imagine like, you went up to Harry Barrett. Yeah. 25 years ago and said, oh, my horse ran fourth can, can, and I had 50 on it. Can you give me $100 back? All the Davidsons. Like, all the Davidsons. Like, all like, Cole like, Tidy was there. Like all these, all these guys. It might like, be so audacious. They might think it's so funny. They'd be like, you yeah, give him $100 because yeah. it's, it's the most absurd thing <laughs> throw, I've ever heard. Throw the kid a bone. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, it's amazing um, how many people started with those Don Scott books though. 100%, mm. yeah. And, and I, more. I remember being at the track and I remember – couple of times I was in the sort of interstate ring at the end of the members area there and Bill Hurley was there and you know guys coming along and and you know backing things you know just running along the rails and say to win 10 to win 10 to win 10 sort of thing you know backing things back in the mid 90s to win you know 50 100,000 or whatever and um, I remember standing there thinking like looking and seeing those blokes week to week thinking they're no smarter than I am if they can mm. do it then I can do it mm. um, and there was a little bit of ego in it probably or a little yep. bit of sort of arrogance but I just always believed that um, that I could do that as well mm. and just continued with the passion, like continued as a hobby, continued studying it. Basically, I was single at the time, so I just oh, when that, I wasn't... That, that's a given, mate. <laughs> if you're going every weekend and you're, you're, so the girlfriend wouldn't have liked it. When, when I wasn't working, I was just like studying racing, doing form. The internet had just started. There was a few little chat groups online and, and I was able to post a few questions and a couple of people were sort of kind enough to answer, which sort of sent me on my way and mm. and yeah being sort of someone that always was good with spreadsheets and things like that once I was able to get a bit of data you start thinking about ideas and testing and yeah you just evolve and betting small gradually sort of built up um mm. so yeah, at the start were you betting off overlays yeah pretty much like I just followed the Don Scott model I didn't know any different right so, so what, but there must have been more than three overlays a day why how would you distinguish which ones to sort of pick and which um, ones not. I can't to. remember, to be honest. Yeah. I, I just remember <laughs> like going to the races. Went into it to maybe, yeah. I just remember going to the races and, you know, some days I'd only have like a couple of bets. Like, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I can't. Darren Beedman. Okay, yeah, <laughs> okay, it was just a great era. I mean, I got involved in the year of octagonal, yeah. stately nothing like a Dane yeah. Falonte yeah. rolled into Sunline northerly. Like it was just, mm. 
you know, might and power, if it yeah. wasn't for that, the then Eagles. maybe, you know, it was just Eagles. amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, and I just, you know, continue. That's why I say anyone can, anyone can yeah. win, anyone mm. can build up because I had no, I didn't work for a bookmaker. I didn't mm. have an uncle or a dad that taught me. I just sort of self-taught. Um, and that's why it's a shame that the ring's gone because it was such a great learning environment. Yeah. And that's why, you know, one of the things we want to do with Wolfden is try and bring that back a bit so that you can connect with yeah. with people. And it's like, I mean, both of you guys, like, people can jump on Wolfden and literally direct message you 100%. and ask you questions. Yeah, yep. And that's so one of the great things. But yep. I just wanted, you were talking about betting up in the, along the rails then and getting on to win 50 or 50,000, whatever, with all the bookies. And it takes me back when I used to put money on for Sean and Kings. And, it was always fun, but it'd get really fun when the boys were having a real big crack. Big crack, yeah. And they'd go like Sean to get on and go, Richie, like, right, go in the ring, <laughs> take take eleven dollars every bookie, and I'd say, How much for Sean? And he'd go, just as much as you can. So I'd fly down the rails to win ten to win ten to win ten to and I'd gather up all the tickets and I'd be on for like sixty five thousand. Then I'd call Sean to go, I'm on for sixty five. And then Sean would go, Right, go and do it again. I'm like, but there's seven dollars fifty now. And he's like, just go they and do you, it. They had to beat you twice back then or three times Yeah, And then so oh, really? I'd go and then I'd, I'd go down the ring again. I go to win like you know, say it was number two, I go number two, number two, and they'd be looking at me, you just backed it. I'm like, I know I want to go again. And some bookies would be like, nah, I'm not betting you again. And then but they'd end up good. But it was it was great fun when having multiple cracks on the same horse minute after minute was was good fun. Yeah, I mean they Good days. I mean, me at that time in the mid, just observing that, right, and just sort of seeing, going like, how amazing is this? And then you'd yeah. see the horses win, you know, on occasion, obviously, and and um, yeah, I just got the bug basically. But I've always been lucky that um, being like very analytically minded and stuff like that. That in doing the work and sort of betting, I never had a problem really chasing or mm. or wanting to sort of get too far out of control. I always believed in just sort of keeping it tight. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I made mistakes along the way and got frustrated and had bad bets that I regretted and things like that, but I never really got out of control with staking or sort of anything like that. And I just gradually built a bank and then um, got to the point where I was sort of taking it seriously and, and working in a corporate job at the time and, and betting, you know, pretty pretty serious money by most people's definition. Um, and, yeah, just at a time in life sort of came an opportunity to sort of move out, do it full time. I was a uh, client of TRB getting their stuff and got involved with with those guys and um, yeah that was like 18 years ago now so mm. it's been a long time and you're just in racing right you don't have any other business interests other than racing yeah just racing yeah yeah just yeah. racing no sports yeah. betting no very rarely have mm. a sports bet maybe oh can't even remember the last sports bet I had to be honest yeah um, mm. and you love your league right is that right you love your league yeah love league uh, follow league follow you a panther. USC class Bulldogs, suffering oh. Bulldogs fan. <laughs> Bulldogs fan. Uh, the rebuild. Bulldogs fan. This yeah. is the year. The rebuild. Mate, this is the year. Every year. This is the year for the dogs. <laughs> Re rebuilding face. Yeah, it's <laughs> a long one. Um, but yeah. I'll ask him, can, what's going to happen with the Bulldogs this year? Oh, gonna... I think they'll run 6th to 10th. I was going to say 6th. Oh. Okay, so he's sitting on the fence. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Panthers second team because that's the area I'm sort of from and yeah it's Panthers B side right yeah and <laughs> still remember that still remember the 90s when they 91 or 92 when they won their first grand final it was a huge deal out in the area sort yeah. of thing um, Greg Alexander and, and mostly local boys in the team um, like yeah. Alexander's guy Cartwright those sort of guys Fittler was in it wasn't he um, Fittler yep yeah. yeah. um, he sort of come up he was only a couple of years above us in school so um, one of my mates his older brother they played I remember one time school game 
Fitler came and just like tore them up. Yeah. <laughs> and we had like we had good teams, good footy school, but he was like different level sort of. Well, thing. he debuted so when freak. he was in school. Yeah, he's, like, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. his Brad, son's a freak, yeah. isn't he? Fit, Brad Fitler's son. Yeah, he's very, very good, good player. I've never seen him, but he's at Scots in year ten or eleven. Yeah, he's very good. Apparently, Penrith team's similar now, right? Like a lot of local kids come through the system, like through the sort of juniors and through their development programs. That's good to good to see. Yeah, also to see better than Storm and Roosters and. Yeah, 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 so we've got a lot of questions, which is fantastic. Um, so why don't we uh, get into them? Yeah, go for it. Let's do it. All right. Question so, time. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is, this is a good one to start with. Yep. Is turning professional only and strictly the domain of a person doing their own form analysis, using a database and video or can somebody who has a group of paid tipsters tipping services who have proved profitable, profitable over many years use them to produce similar results? Um, I'm go first. Yeah. I think it's too hard to use other services to bet professionally. I think you can probably make a really good second income, take it very seriously and even bet big if you find you know, ones. But I think just knowing from experience, if you're betting and relying on some of that money for your living expenses and lifestyle, that... When you go through losing runs, it's it's difficult enough going through them when you know you're doing the work and that you're still putting the effort and the time in. If you're relying on other people, the seeds of doubt start to kick in about whether are they doing the work, has their edge disappeared, you don't have that control. And I think that loss of confidence in losing runs will regularly challenge you in that sort of process. But if you've got another job and, and you're doing it sort of separately, you can sort of always sustain it. But there's no doubt there's good services out there. There's a heap of smart people that give stuff out for free. Uh, and if you go to the time and effort, build some systems and processes to collate it and, and come up with your theories how to use it, you can do really well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, awesome. Kings, you I mean, yeah, I think you can definitely win by following different people, but it comes down to if you're going to – well, any gambling comes down to the odds you're taking, but especially if you're following other tipsters, you've got to, be, you've got to know how to place the bets. Mm. So firstly, you've got to analyse the tipster and – even if they're winning, what are they using as their metric That's for measuring their performance? Mm -hmm. So it comes down to whether you want to follow them. So are they showing results? If they're not showing any results mm -hmm. straight away, I wouldn't follow anyone who's not displaying their results. But because the landscape in Australia is so hard to win, there are a lot of smart people out there selling tips on sport and, mm. uh, and also horse racing. But, yeah, I think you can definitely do it. But it, it comes down to the placement of the bet, which is the same for mm. – Everyone here. Mm, yeah. If you don't not placing the bets correctly, if you're placing your bets correctly. Yeah. You can you can win with not a huge amount of help. So you definitely so can. I've always thought that thirty like to be to win on the punt, you got a thirty three percent is your bank management, thirty three percent is your form, thirty three percent is putting those bets on in the market, if, like how you handle the market. If you're not putting your bets on right correctly, you can't win. I don't care whose form you've got. Yeah, you won't win. So it's so it's a. So I'm that's about just right. a given. It's a third. If it's you, a third of the importance. Like you place. I wouldn't even put it in there because if you if you're not doing that, you won't win. Yep. So I don't care how good your form is, as I said. But yep. I'd take that out and just say that's you have to be doing. You have to be yep. able to know how to place your bets or trying to get top odds or using a yep. lot of the, you know, best of the best or having different accounts with different sports books and taking minus eleven and a half instead of taking minus twelve and a half. It mightn't seem much, but it's going to land on twelve couple of times a year and that's your yep. that's your profit that's margin so there are, yeah there's a lot of good services out there yeah yeah well, um, I've, I've done all right my i'm the copy bet king on the den you know <laughs> and um 
I got a few dinners out of it. So, so it's, but, it's and you reckon right. you're winning since you sort of started with us? You, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm probably doing what King and Dan are talking about, like you know, the right people to follow, the right people to you know. You get a sense it, for it because on yeah. Wolfden we aren't displaying any results. It's just it's copy bets that are coming through. So we actually aren't displaying any results on there. But a lot of people put comments up. You can read it and get a bit of a feel for who's knowing, and I've, I've bet off a lot of the tips that yeah. have come through as well. I'm, I'm a big vibe yeah. guy. Tico, but yeah, like that yeah, the yeah. other day when you said something, oh, I'm back in this because this person tipped on the den. I was like, wow, I never thought that was I had a bet on the European cricket the other night. <laughs> 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 40. Got the cash too. Yeah, it's, definitely, it's, uh, it's about the vibe. You but know? you sort of read what people yeah. are saying on Wolfden and you get a feel for who knows process, what they're talking about see. and who doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I said before that you definitely need to, um, for someone to display results, which I do believe, I'm, but... As well, if not, get a feel for for the tipster as well. Yeah, cool, great answers. All right, um, keep rolling. So Les Keefe is a good man on Twitter. His his question was, what advice or strategy would you give a recreational punter who deposits two hundred dollars a weekend? Pretty great question because that's probably in the wheelhouse of a lot of 100%. people out there watching. I think you just have to have a plan, like plan out your day, what bets you're going to make, and and just think about. Um, Either you're staking them equally or working out if you're betting to collect a certain amount, but just have a plan, plan your bets out, um, you know, to suit that $200. So if you have a strip out, you're only going to lose the $200. If you get a winner, then obviously, you know, you could still finish in front on the day. Um, just plan it out, stick to it. That's, yeah. well, that's the key thing, I think, not only for your chance of winning, but just also for your enjoyment of the game and the sport. I mean, there's nothing worse than, um, you know, doing things in, in life but in betting that you later regret um, and there's nothing that will ruin your enjoyment of the punt faster than than constantly ending every day or every second day thinking, I regret that I backed this horse or had this much on that horse. So, yeah. yeah, my thing would just be stick to a plan, so I'm going to have X, Y, Z on these horses, that's my 200. Um, go, implement it, have a good day and, yeah, win, win your percentage. And, mm. and, th and there's yeah. a lot of good free mail out there. Like I think all the best bets that the – Especially the racing.com book, like girls and guys have put out. I think they really they put a lot of effort into trying hard, and yep. and then also too, you got, there's a lot of great offers out there as well from all the bookies. So you got to yep. you know, take advantage of that. Do you want yeah. to add anything? No, I agree with Dan absolutely. But there's so many bonus offers and things out there. If you're, it depends. Is the 200? Are you looking to enjoy the day with the 200, or are you looking to actually win? I'm not sure. If you're looking to win, there's I a lot of bonus offers out there. Yeah. Uh, put your bets on it, the a correct product as well, a best mm -hmm. of the best product or a top good flight point. product. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, the, a really good one um, is the best of three totes in SP. Mm. If you're not sure whether the price is going to drift or blow, just stick it on at that. I think it averages 105%. So, 100, yeah. So, you're not going to lose a lot doing that. Mm. Yep. And you're going to enjoy yeah, your day, I, but plan it out, as Dan says. Yeah, I think I do think that that's right. You should know what bets you're going to have in the morning because you can collate some really good. Um, bets in the morning from all the information that's out there. Yep. And then stake them so that you might lose a whole 200. The chance of you having a wipeout and doing the whole 200 is not that great. You, you're a pretty good chance to back a few in. And stick to the plan and as well. And, just because if, you, yeah. if you're losing, then don't deposit another 200 and start yeah. betting. And but if you're winning, don't bet with like, those winnings. Just can, be happy if you're with having, what say, you've you have done. 10 bets all of $20. And, that, and I think that's the attitude too. Like, you've got to be happy to win. You started with 200, you've got to be happy that you win 260. Absolutely. That's so important. Yeah, because yeah, the, the big absolutely. thing too is like so many people at the end of the day, they go, I'm, I'm up 260. <laughs> you don't agree, Matty. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to struggle there. I'm going to have a little time out because if you're winning and you're rolling, surely there's something, you know, those last uh, you know, couple of races, you can that's really how, build a bank. Exactly what you're saying. That's how you don't win. Okay. Well, 
Yeah. It's a discipline thing, I understand, yeah. But it's, um, it's very hard to not, when you're in that role, <laughs> if you get on a role, if you're lucky to be on a role, surely it's going to continue. Is that, is that not how it works? <laughs> sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> but generally, the more bets you have, the more you, you're going to end up in the hole, I suppose. I but it comes down to do, whether you're doing it for fun or whether you're doing it for, to make money in the end. Yes, I suppose. And, um, there's nothing funner than uh, continuing the role, I suppose. So it's a, <laughs> I think it's just about, let's say you're having a fat day, right, and you're getting to the end and you've got desire for a bit more action, then just make a conscious decision. If you've spent your 200 and you're, and you're up 400 and you've got 600 in the bank and you want a bit of action, just say, well, okay, I'm consciously going to take 100 of that and yeah. go and have some more bets and I'm going to leave mm. and I'm happy with that. If I lose the 100, I still mm. feel like I've had a great day. Yep. Um, if I win more, awesome. Mm. Don't just do it without a plan out of control. So you turn your 600 into 180 mm. and you walk away only losing 20 <laughs> but feel like you've done a fortune. Yeah. The right? lazy um, bets, I call them lazy bets, will yeah. cost you in the end. If you are doing it to make yeah. money, those, like, those bets wear you down. And you go, I'll have 600 on a the T20 down. game. Yeah, like, just yeah, like some $1.30 or whatever, right? Turn it into <laughs> yeah, 780 or whatever. Like it's yeah, and it, I'm as sometimes, guilty as anyone sometimes. Yeah, it happens if you're with mates, you're having a fat day, everyone wants to, you know, kick on a bit or whatever. Yeah, take a little bit aside, but keep enough. So my advice mm. would be keep enough so that if that extra action loses, you're Balance. still really happy with mm. your day and you don't and you don't regret what you did. Agree. Great. Okay, keep rolling. So this is two fellas sort of ask the same question. Uh, the unit hunter, who's who's been really great on the den, we appreciate his help. Asked biggest mistakes that lead that have led to lessons, and then Marco B, who you've probably seen on Twitter, he's been on Twitter forever. Yep. Yep. He said, "What are the biggest mistakes you've made or lessons you've learned in your time? Things you didn't did then you'd do differently or much better with what you know now." So, yeah, quite a lot to that question. Mm. You kick it off. Uh, don't gamble when, after you're drinking. I got home one one, <laughs> one evening about two or two or three a.m. and turned the computer on for some reason. It was a World Cup. It must have been about twelve years ago. It was a World Cup warm-up match between Australia and Bangladesh, or one of the minnows. And I turned it on Australia or one hundred one. I turned the TV on, looked up Betfair one hundred one. I thought I'll just get my money back for the night I spent out. So how much you spent fifteen hundred or something? So you have on the night out. So you have 100, at hundred thousand. Okay, so thousand on Australia. Didn't watch a ball. Went to bed. Woke up the next day, feeling a bit hungover, turned Jesus. the computer on, turned the computer on, logged into my Betfair account. There's $2,011 in there. And it just hit me. Fuck. So what you, have you, I done? You dusted 100. Yeah, I dusted 100. Wow. Is that, that what So Andrew I had a good Simons, talk to myself after that. Is that the Andrew Simons, Simons match? I think oh, they. I didn't see well, it. I didn't watch the replay, I can tell you that. But this, this I remember when they got it's about Yeah, it's about 2010, I think. I was living at Coogee. And what about when you were in a, for the Super Bowl? Remember you tried that 5,400? You went to the basketball game. Yeah, 50. I did, but that, that was my eyes more, more yeah. so than the drink. Sure. I had 55,000 on instead of 5,500 and I realised about <laughs> two minutes into the game and I was just trying to get off it, but the other team just kept scoring. It was uh, Lakers against the Greek Freak and I couldn't get out of it. Yeah. did 55 there. So, yeah, I've got a few lessons, learned, learned hard lessons, but, yeah. Not another one yeah, I did. Gamble Dave. responsibly. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, you got to use the new ones. Um, you know, if oh, you, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah if you, what were they, yeah? you might, yeah, you're going to lose eventually. Another one, right. sort of uh, more betting related than 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 alcohol related is I put I spent about nine months putting a rugby league model together. So excited about it. I love my league. Pumped about it. The results came back from the simulations. Really good. First round, I thought I'm going to bet fifty thousand a game. Yeah. So. First round, eight games, 50,000, no winners. Wow. I've knocked off 400 on the first game. Well, I'm in a bit of 
in a bit of trouble here. What do I do next round? Yeah. I've got to stick to my plan. I Re- can't. Rework I can't weaken and start betting <laughs> betting small. I've got to stick to the plan. It'll turn around. Next next round two. Two out of two out of eight winners. Okay. So now I'm down six hundred. Yeah. Thought, what do I do here? Next round, I'll go again. Four out of four, still doing six hundred. Next one, I got about three out of eight. I was down about six fifty, and I pulled the pin on it. Right. But the lesson that I learned from that was. Don't be too overconfident, number one, but two, trial it. And three, the most important thing is the sample size on the rugby league games is only 200 yeah, games yeah. a year. So is there 200? Yeah. And I had data dating back about, <clears throat> I don't know, six or seven years or something. But the rules change as well. Um, and the small sample size cost me not so much my analysis, which in the end, I don't know how I would have gone because I just pulled the pin and didn't really look at it again. But... Be careful of small sample sizes is, yeah. is the moral of the story for that yeah. for me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, tough right. lesson. <laughs> tough lesson. So this question for Every day there's a tough lesson. This question for Dan. Um, I use peak rating as part of my process but often find lower grade horses can post artificial highs. How many runs post a peak do you continue with that rating before reassessing? That's from Nag's head. Is peak rating one of the services you offer or something? Oh, I think by peak rating, it just means when you measure each you know, performance of a horse uh, and give it a number, then you know, peak would be the best the horse has ever gone before. Let's say Bella Nipotina on Saturday, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then that horse comes out and run next start. There's always a question, how do you assess horses at what level? Um, horses forms dynamic. They've got peak runs, they've got lower runs. Um, think of it just like a cricketer, right? That might average 30, but they'll score a century someday and then they'll get out for a duck other days sort of thing. So... Um, I think in terms of peaks and things like that, it depends on the <coughs> excuse me. Depends on the horse. So lightly raced horses that are on the way up that are starting short in the market um, are more likely to be as talented as that peak, even if they have a couple of bad runs. Whereas a horse that's a bit more exposed, starting longer in the market <coughs> and maybe overachieved, are probably less reliable in the future. If their form drops off, you can probably treat that peak or dismiss it sort of more quickly. So. Um, yeah, quite a complex question, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but that's probably yeah, the best answer I could give in, in a short time frame. Sweet. Um, <clears throat> moving on, uh, any tips to predicting improvement of rating horses going from start one to two? And that's from Will McCann. Oh, look, um, again, look, comes down to starting price. So history will show that you know, two horses that let's just pick a number, say rate 80 on debut, the horse that started $1.90 in the market will um, perform better the next start than a horse that started $15 and, and rated right, so 80. Right, so SP means a lot? Definitely, 100%. Yeah. SP is measuring yeah. expected performance. It's a huge tool in, in form analysis and ratings and things like that. So, um, yeah, so I would say that's one thing. Yeah, look at the SP. And also, if you get time, just watch the race, watch the horse. Mm. How did I, I would think video work would be very important for those yeah. first started. Horses having one start. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah. the horse, you know, really under the pump? Did it look like it was stretching, doing everything it could to sort of win or did it do it relatively easily? Is the horse still green? You know, was it soft through the line? All those sort of things. There's no – with all these things, there's no formula that you can apply that's going to be optimal every mm. single race. That's why I'm a huge believer. You know, I've got as much data as, as probably anyone else in racing and use it in various ways, but I'm still a huge believer in – in your own judgment, intuition, and, and things like that. To How many rating points on average, Dan, would a horse improve from starts one to two, do you think? Natural oh. improvement. Say, say length, if you just use that as yeah, like a, as a rule of thumb. Yeah, it also depends on the base. I mean, horses that are starting off at 
low maiden grade will improve more rapidly than than horses that say start off in a Saturday race and, right. and sort of run a Saturday rating sort of thing. So yep. it's like any sort of athlete. So uh, someone that's really good at sprinting 100 metres can get from 13 to 12 to 11 seconds really quickly and maybe 10 mm. and a half, but then every bit yep. of improvement under that is, is returns, yeah, yeah. extremely hard to achieve and, yeah. and increasingly rare. So it's the same thing with, with horses. All right, we'll keep rolling. Um, so this is from Trackside Trav, who's a, another member of the den. It's been great to have him on here. Uh, he says, What's your take on the three-year-old sprinters in WA? I think he must be from WA. Mm. Amelia's Jewel. You were all over Amelia's Jewel on Saturday. Yep, the Jewel. Amelia's Jewel and Snowdome. Could they do any damage in three-year-old races in Vic, New South Wales, Carnivals, in your opinion? I think you're the only person who's probably going to be able yeah, to sure. this. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, both really talented. Amelia's Jewel is potentially like a top-class horse. What she did as a two-year-old and all the different indicators. She won on Saturday, is that right? <laughs> yeah, she yeah. came back on Saturday, won... Um, Rated a little bit below her best, but that's to be expected. First up, she's going for, um, I think it's the Kingston Town, the 1800 Group 1 weight for age mm-hmm. later in there, Summer right. Carnival. So she's got a long sort of build-up. There's a history of, you know, three-year-olds going to, to that race and doing well. Um, I think Arcadia Queen won it, and there's probably more Bob Peters horses that have done it, even though Amelia's Jewel's not owned by Bob Peters. Um, Snowdome also, yeah, good, good sprinter. Um, I don't think either of them will be coming east this current prep because they're about to move into their sort of carnival series with some pretty good prize money races and things like that. So if um, either of them are to come, you know, New South Wales, Vic, it'll be in the autumn. Yep. Um, we'll get a chance to obviously assess what they do all through this prep in Perth. Yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. Great, great answer. Um, this is a good one from Willow. Um, what's the thing that's changed the most you've noticed in the betting landscape from when you started to now? Um, yeah, Kings can answer that. Oh, from when I started, obviously, it's uh, the betting ring has moved basically online now, so that's the biggest one. But betting percentages have gone up. Um, you're betting into more percentage, but on a positive note, you can get on for more money on the country races than you used to be able to. So those are the things that changed. The just the the, um, the number of bookies you can bet with now on the yeah. country meetings. Uh, there was no Betfair when I started, so that's a huge one as well. Yeah, that's really changed the game, Betfair, isn't it? 100%. And Betfair, yeah. there's so much access to great information now. Like, you know, if yeah, for someone starting in the game, like, it's just if you're prepared to do the hard work and trawl through all the stuff that's on the internet, mm-hmm. and there's less opinions in the market now from bookmakers. They used to bookmakers used to do form and have an opinion. So back, true. Back that's when that's I started. Probably the biggest, isn't yeah. it? Like, Colossal Bet have yeah. an opinion, and they can often be. Uh, unders a few horses, but there are overs quite a lot of horses as well. So they are one of the few opinionated bookies that are out there. Yep. But they're all just – there's not many bookies that are doing form on the clients rather than doing form on the yeah. on the horse race, yeah. which is just the way it is nowadays. It's, no, it's not a criticism of anyone. It just is what it is. They're, yeah. they're running businesses. But back in the day, you used to have – majority of bookies, 80% of them would do form and have an opinion. Yeah. Peter Todd would go up first. Oh. He'd put up – <laughs> he put up 110% market. Glenn Pollard would be in the outer. He'd be he'd be betting 105. I remember going and asking him for a bet. Oh, I can't bet you the fraction. He had 105 on his board. Wouldn't bet me the fraction. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah. But that was that was off an opening market. So yeah. some of these guys are you know not like something. So instead of going you know 11 to four when it was five to two, they get like mm. four to one or something. Yeah, that's why they didn't last. Yeah, right? it's because big it's differences fun. in in odds yeah. now. It's if you get four dollars and everyone's betting 380, you get excited. Yeah. But yeah. 
Yeah. But it's, yeah. yeah, all the bookies, it's just one big market now, isn't it? No, no one really has an opinion. Like, I don't really know no. who goes up first during the week, but is it who does go up first? Is it like Bet365? I think the tab, Bet365, Sports Bet. 365, so, yeah, they're all. I'm not really sure. Thereabouts, yeah. 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 And they'd put, obviously, they'd, they'd have teams doing a bit of form for them, no doubt. But then beyond that, everyone's just like, they don't need to waste money. Well, on the, yeah, I mean, they, even if they put up a wrong price, it doesn't really matter. They're late to lose a thousand yeah, or two thousand, and, intel, right? and yeah. they're holding hundreds of thousands yeah. on the race. So who yeah. they don't they That's wouldn't why, care the, about the, betting someone to win two on a wrong price? It makes no difference. The reason the minimum bet limit changed to be um, down in Victoria and Queensland from when they put them up is because Sportsbet said it helped. Like mm. hunters betting with us is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Like you say they bet, like they bet someone to win a thousand. By the time like we, you know, you get on to win a thousand, and then they're. You know, when the actual race comes, they're probably like, I don't know, would sports bet hold a million dollars on a provincial race? Probably. You know, like it's such a tiny. Sure. Don't think it'd be that much. Probably not that much, sure. but such a tiny amount of um, that they had to bet you to win a thousand way back yeah. when betting opened. Yes. Yeah. Cheap into it. The other thing that's changed is quickly say top flux betting, I think. So back before, especially before online bookies and that. And, and I know um, I had this conversation with Dominic Byrne once. He was of the opinion, and once he explained it, I agreed that top flux betting was the worst thing for punters. Mm. Um, we all think it's good because, but it's basically just giving away intel. Every yeah, run, like sure. Advertising yeah. ahead of time yeah. what horses you want to back. Yeah. Um, and I remember um, when this is when the the track market was still more vibrant, but we still had this sort of corporate bookie thing sort of emerging with Mark mm. Reed and a few other sort of players that you'd, you'd see things, you know, at certain price with the corporates in the morning, and then you'd get on track, and then they open up four rolls under because <laughs> of all the top fluck money that yeah. they're taking. Yeah. Yeah, like any betting though, if it's affecting your price, top fluck. Um, betting's great, best of the best betting's great, but if your money is affecting the price, yeah. that's no yeah, good. That's right. Right. And, and yeah. basically, you know, without that, they'd have even less idea and, and they don't know what price, they put prices yeah. up and just wind them out until they find the right price then, you're getting on for sort of bigger bets and things like that. So, mm. I mean, it is great now for punters and it's part of the landscape, but um, I think in a pure financial sense, then, you know, a percentage of players would be much better off without it and not that intel mm. sort of being in the market. Mm. Um, this guy's a bit of a punish, but I've got to read out everyone's questions. Dream Team Matt Taylor. <laughs> uh, hi, it's me again. Genuine question to both guests, and it is a genuine question. What has been the secret to your longevity? Uh, yeah, interesting question. Um, I would say probably adapting, adapting yep. to market changes. And that's, um, I've watched you do that. Constantly trying to be one step ahead of the market as well. Rather than reacting to a losing run, I'm trying to predict it's coming and implementing things to uh, to sort of safeguard against that by one updating my form constantly, analysing what I'm doing, analysing my bets, analysing the market. Um, so I would say probably that. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I'd say two things. First thing is is just staying in the game. Like someone gave me advice in the very early days that. You'll go through bad runs, you'll lose a lot of money or relative to you a lot of money at the time, but you just have to stay in the game. If you bust out of the game, then mm. that's it. So whatever happens, losing runs, reduce your bet, take time off, freshen up, come back, renewed vigour, all that sort of stuff. You just have to stay in the game. Um, the other thing is exactly what King said, just adapting. Like oh, I've become passionate and just love the process of constantly seeking new edges, reviewing mm. what you're doing, mm. trying to get smarter about racing, form, things that influence performance, how the market behaves and prices factors. Um, yeah, just constantly trying to improve. Yeah, just don't last forever either. You no, see. they don't. I mean, we've, we've had this conversation. We've known each other a long time. I had this conversation that back in the day you could just back horses with the best time ratings mm. and lead. And I mean, mm. you just made a fortune, right? Mm. But eventually that sort of dried up and you've got to start thinking about um, 
different ways to go about it. I've, you know, come up with, you know, evolutions in measurements of performance and different factors you sort of look at um, that help you do form and find angles and constantly, constantly doing that. So that's probably been the number one thing is that ability to adapt and, and keep moving forward. And if that, you, from, from my perspective, they aren't big changes. They might be half a percent, I'm adding, yeah. sort of half a percent a couple of times or 1% or just making some small adjustments. Maybe it's by reducing my bets 20% because there's an extra sort of 2% gone into the market percentages. So mm. yeah, it's just small changes, not, be, not, not big ones. Yeah. And do you boys know big bettors from back in the day who left it and stayed out of it completely? They, they never came back? Yeah, 100%, absolutely. Like, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Heaps of guys have said just get just got too hard, yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah. They, or they didn't have yeah, that desire. They got to a stage of life where they weren't didn't enjoy sort of relentlessly trying to pursue how yeah. to keep getting better and, ad and adapting and overcome mm. uh, and, and things like that. So and, and I, Kings, sorry to interrupt yeah, you, but like you're you don't look at this the market now and go, I'll definitely be betting as big as I am now in two years from now. You never think like that, do you? I like, just do what's in in front of me, sort of thing. Yeah. So. Do I think I'll be betting as big as I am in, in two years? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, wrong again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't, no, I think. But I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is you don't take it for granted. Like, I, think you don't, you I don't take anything for granted. No. The no. mental game of punting is Pretty the hardest like part. The mental game of punting is the hardest part. Mm. Definitely, dealing with the wins and the losses from day to day, and the mm. ups and the downs is what sets sort of the winning punters apart from the ones that sort of fall away because yep. it's hard. Yep. It's hard going through it And there's it a temperament, right? I mean, you and I have done a lot of stuff over the years and I I'm not trying to pump up my own tyres, but you, like I must have the right kind of temperament that I like. At the end of the day, I can like move on and I just move on. You don't get too emo emotionally involved in it. Yeah. Like you, you walk out the door and then yeah. whether we win or we lose, then yeah. that's it. Yeah. And you've got, you've got a lot of great mates and there's a lot of your great mates who you could never do business with or punt with because they don't have the right temperament, right? That's right. no knock on them, it's just... No, the, exactly. Yeah. I mean, everyone's different. This this game's not for everyone. Mm. Yeah. Yep. You've yep. got to be a special kind of human to be doing this seven days a week, <laughs> I think. <laughs> through the yeah. torture. Yeah, through the torture, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It sends us all a bit crazy. Yeah, 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 Let's yeah. be honest. Like, seven days a week, up, down, up, down. And it's hard. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard. Yep. But you've got to keep doing the work. It's a job. Keep doing the work and keep believing you can win and doing your analysis and then that if you do the work that gives you the confidence to bet yep. and bet big and keep betting big do you look at it from a quarter or a yearly turn it like what's the quarter quarters are you i'll analyze it after every yeah, quarter that's a really good question one of my key sort of education points is that people attach way too much significance to the concept of like a day mm. i mean a day mm. is like means nothing in betting your bets don't know you know what's happening today you got to look at everything in cycles so yeah you know you might have 50 bets a day that's different to someone that has five bets a day or, or something like that so um you got to try and remove yourself from that concept oh did i win or lose on the day type of thing just look at your bets in cycles measure it in 50 bets 100 bets and, and focus on doing well over 50 bets or 100 bets and don't worry about assessing until you get there and i think that can help a lot of people avoid that sort of irrational behavior because you're so worried oh, i'm not winning today or i'm not winning yep. this week or something like that mm. yeah um so yeah, i think that's a that's a yeah, big point to, to take forward for, for a lot of people, yeah. Uh, okay, moving on to Dave Diamond, who I think is a, a ranter. I think he's one of the big people on the rant. Uh, he's said he really is enjoying our content, which is great to hear, but he also great. said, Cheers. can you see the day where there will be no on-course bookies and do you think off-course pundits are aware of better NBLs for on-course bookies? Do I think that uh, there wouldn't be a day where there's no on-course bookies? I've been... 
I've been in the game for 25 years. People have been saying the same thing for 25 years that there'll be no on-course bookies. No, I think there'll always be on-course bookies in Australia, definitely. Mm. Um, they go out there and they, there's still going to be people going to the races. So while those people going to the races, there's going to be on-course bookies, definitely. Mm. Mm. But it's, it's dying, but they're still getting an earn out there. They're still yeah. turning up. Yeah. Especially around carnival time. Mm. Um, around the MBLs, to so on track. I think they've got a bet to win three thousand now. Has it dropped from five? I thought it was five. Five, yeah, I think it's still five. Yeah, is it five? Is it okay? On the on Saturdays on, it will be yeah. On, yeah right, Saturdays. Yeah. Okay, so it's five on Saturdays. I think three three maybe on Wednesdays. But do I think people know? No, I don't think they know. No, no. My, and my point, um, there's often discussions about how to get people back on course betting, and like, it's just a futile um, argument. It's not going to happen. I, just, I think the on-course bookies, and they've been talking about it for a while, have to have a portal where they, their odds are yeah. displayed to people outside of, mm. the, of, of the track, people so on track. That, that was well so, advanced. And I believe, like, I heard it was just a rumour that Tab Corp shut it down. We're like, no, we're not allowing that to happen. I don't right, know why. Okay. There may, may be some kind of commercial conflict that they didn't want to let it happen. But, look, I think they're all finding their way on, onto the internet anyway, aren't they? There's like a lot of them. Yeah, lot yeah, of yeah of for sure. bookies yeah. are now online presence. Yeah. Yep. I don't know, are they betting the on-course MBLs online or are they betting nah. online MBLs? Yeah, they're betting the, the online ones. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but there's not many people that really – there's not that many people out there that want to bet to win 20 that or 30,000. So. That, that it's never going to get punters back having the higher MBLs because such a small percentage <laughs> of the people are betting to win more than 1,000 or 2,000 at your main yeah. metro. So and it's, it's such a small percentage know. of people care about what odds they take. Yeah. And also the other thing is as well, as you were saying, Kings, there's so many <laughs> online bookies now that – I mean, you can get on to win a significant amount of money if you're yes. organised and coordinated to, yep. to, you know, have... It's a, hard with the price changes, but yeah. Yeah, like, you know, so it's not, you know, you get to sit in front of your desk, you've got everything, watch the footage, observe the market. I mean, a couple of times I've been to the races over the years just for, um, uh, like, different functions or whatever. Went to an Everest function a couple of years ago. And it's so hard if you're trying yeah. to bet. Like, you just... Yeah, it's compared to days, like how it used to be when we were there but um yeah. yeah it's so much easier that's just the way of the world now doing everything in you know with your screen or your app on your phone or mm. something like that so and that's why i'm the day in the life that we're gonna do on melbourne cup day and kings has been great it's giving me access to what he does in his operation so we're really going to try and show people that you know that how hard it is to get on with all the bookies mm. and then also the big one will be the swings that kings goes through like melbourne i've Bet many, many Melbourne Cup days with Kings. They're ugly, ugly days. There's so much betting and it's hard to back a winner. You sort of come out of the really good racing on Derby Day and yeah. that's always good. Then you get to the shit of Melbourne Cup There's day. so many just, meetings on. Yeah. Cup yeah, day. No, that that's day it. It's a little bit yeah. like, like you look like Derby Day sort of um, – it's, it's a beautiful day. Everyone looks beautiful and there's great racing. And then you get to Melbourne Cup Day and it's all the people from the outskirts of Melbourne come in. They're not as – it's not the beautiful people day. That's what that's what the racing's like though. But I, it's just and then you get it's just oh, rough you're saying and that's ready. what the racing's like. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, rough yeah, and ready yeah, racing. Yeah. There's so much of it. Yeah, it's like yeah. how good is it? I mean oh, Derby oh, Day's that's, that's why that's why I want to it's do the day in the life because it's gonna yeah. be great. Theater. Twenty meetings on. I was gonna go. say there's just all these meetings out wide oh, and getting it's on it's huge, it's great. But yeah, Derby Day's probably the best qualities days racing across the whole card in Australia. And yeah, Melbourne Cups, I mean, basically a midweek meeting except for the Melbourne Cup sort of thing. Like, so. The first yeah. at 10.30. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we can't do Have the podcast. Have your Coco Pops and come in. That's why we're not doing the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, we're moving along. Uh, we've still got a long way to go. This, You know Joe Rogan, you know how he likes speech yeah, yeah. like two hours, 45 minutes and yeah, it's yeah, the most yeah. watched podcast in the world. Maybe we'll be because we speak. When do the pizzas arrive? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
Do you look at history and any particular patterns when doing form? And that's from Sam Tankard. I throw it to uh, you, Kings. Good man, Sam. Yeah, yeah patterns are really... That's all it's about. Patterns I mean, are look, really... All you do is look at history, don't you? History, but he's in particular, he's asking about patterns of yep. history. Yeah, patterns are really important. So jockey, jockey trainer combos, uh, looking looking back at uh, distance, course and distance ratings and course and distance figures. Can the horse carry that weight? Has it carried that weight before? Uh, the race shape, what's the race shape going to be like? How much early pace is in the race? Um, when there was past, say it's a fast pace predicted for today, how did the horse go when there was a lot of pace on before? Um, there's so many different patterns. Pat patterns are really important. Pat pattern recognition is really important and you can find a lot of things out of it. Horses that like to race inside other horses, or sorry, don't like racing inside other horses, they need to be drawn drawn wide. So yep. you can go and test a lot of things yep. and, and just by your eye as well. Yep. But just by going through the form guide, ticks and crosses, matching things up. Jockey's one on the horse. It's one at the course and distance in good time. So, yeah, huge. I'll answer from a different question, uh, different perspective, just in case he's also talking about whether you look at the patterns and history of a race, say, like the, yep. the, the Melbourne Cup, like, you know, what races horses come through and all that sort of stuff. I personally don't pay too much attention to that. I do look at it, um, but the history of any one given race, feature race, Doncaster, Golden Slipper, whatever it is, the samples are so small that it can be complete coincidence that you're saying, you know, so many winners have come through. You know, there's obviously the, the best form lines and things like that, but it's it's. Uh, I always have a saying like, don't don't ever let race history put me off a bet that I like. So mm. I think the most important thing is find the horses that you like through your sort of method, and don't let the history of a race or people saying, oh, no horses ever won with this weight, or no horses ever won on a seven day back up yeah. or first up or second up or something like Remember that. Maybe the old one they had to have a run in <coughs> Australia before the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, well, I was a huge yeah. one on that. Small like, sample sizes yeah, we talked I, about. I, I, yeah. I learned a lesson there. Like there was like over a hundred runners that had sort of done that for only like one or two winners sort of thing. Um, and I think it was possibly still significant, but operations adapt. Like the overseas trainers mm. and the people behind them, they're not silly. They, they see these things. They think they like running a bit fresher, but they probably knew, you know, we have to – bring maybe different horses or manage them differently or, or prep them up differently for the mm. run and, and um, now it's almost the, the go-to type of thing, like, mm. uh, especially in terms of the internationals. So. Cool. All right, we'll keep rolling. Um, if someone wanted to enter this career, they're referring <coughs> to pro punning, I guess, what's the best way at trying to find someone to learn from? Well, join Wolf Den as, yeah, a, as a first point. Is. Yeah, absolutely. Get on, get on the den and ask some questions. But, I mean, getting a job with a bookie I think is a huge – thing for learning. I don't yeah. think one person is going to tell you, uh, sort of guide you in the right direction. It'd be hard to find that one person. But It's, it's um, pretty rare that you have, you've come across a pro punter who didn't work for a bookie. Yeah. Like yep. seriously like, yeah. yeah. You're in yeah. the vast yeah, minority. I look yeah. like That's everyone. Made, made the point of oh, saying it, you ever worked for a bookie or – There's been a few pretty big ones. I don't think Jelko worked for a bookie. No, but I'm, that's like – yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different league. <laughs> I, I think the big thing with that these days, I mean – Talking before, punters have it so good now. The amount of content and, yeah, yeah. and the whole social media space where people are on there and sort of sharing, and I think it could do with some improvement. And that's what we're doing with Wolf Den. Um, but yeah, just be active in those circles and ask questions. There's heaps of yeah. smart people that are happy to answer questions. What I don't think you'll ever find is one person that's going to take you under their wing. Mm. Um, you know, I've had approaches that before. I'm sure probably you have as well, Kings. You're just too time poor to, to have an apprentice type mm. of thing. But I'm yeah. more than happy to jump on the den 
um, or, or Twitter and people ask a question and, and give a good considered response yeah. and try and give the best advice I mm. can. I mean, uh, there's so much free information and advice out there that you should I think you have to have an idea yourself as well, not just taking mm. someone yep. else's work. I always say, what do you want your output to be? Is it a price? Is it a number? What do you want your find? What do you want to be betting off sort of thing? So I think you have to read as much as you can, but come to that conclusion about what you're trying to do. And last time I talked about understanding, understanding your edge. Mm. Mm. So you need to do a couple of those things first. But as you said, you've got a lot of uh, literature out there. Yeah. yeah, I've written a lot of articles over the years, I think. King's touch was on a really good point that no one, you don't have to be an expert in everything on racing. You don't have to watch trials, watch videos, do the sectionals, you know, study this, study that, whatever, to, to be an expert. You just, the game's so vast that there's so many different ways to, to find an edge and find an angle. You just got to find the work that you enjoy doing. If you enjoy watching videos, become an expert at watching videos and mm. find your edge that way. Don't worry about if you haven't got the you know other data or other things that people are raving yep. about or what the sort of latest trend is, you don't need to be an expert in all of it. Mm -hmm. and you don't need to find all the winners. You just need to find enough that you're going to be successful. So know what you enjoy doing, become an expert at it, ask other people questions about it so you can learn and refine your approach and then just structure everything you do to finding those horses that suit your approach. That's how you win. People get into trouble when they try and be an expert at everything and and you have to be the smartest person on every race. Yeah. And, and if you're not, then you feel like you're, you're not up to sort of the standard. Like that's a huge thing I've learned over the years is I know my lane, I know what I can do and I know how to do it and I stick to it. I don't mm -hmm. go wider trying to take exotics or back and forth horses a race or anything like that. I'd stick to what it's I know. It's the beauty of the game though, isn't it? The, you can do it in so many different ways and make 100%. money. 100%. Like people say weight doesn't matter in horse racing. Well, it does matter, but it's beyond, you know, any sort of evidence that that's why we have weight for age races and handicap races and 150 years of history will show that. Um, but you can ignore weight and still do brilliant yep. as a punter. You can mm. just ignore it and say, I don't care about you know, yep. weights at all and, and just stick to, mm. you know, don't make the task any more complicated than it has to be. That's mm. my like, big advice. You know? Was that horse that won a week ago? Crookie was 64. tipping? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 63 and a half or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, Crookie, I don't know, Crookie doubted he sort of, I don't know if he backed it or not. But he, he, was oh, on he the told me he had something small on it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked yeah. him, I said, oh, I just sort of minimise regret. We're all sort of, me and Fitzy, <laughs> I think, were sort of potting it. And I said, but, you know, like, that's just sort of one thing. If you're going to regret more, like not backing it, have something on it. And I think he said he had sort of something small on it. But, one thing it helped him do was identify that it'd probably be a drifter because yeah, you know sort sure. of people didn't and like that's, that's, it, and, yeah, and he yeah. was able to sort of wait and, the battle sometimes. and get a better price. And yeah, so it's um yeah sometimes it can work in in your favour. You don't have to be an expert at everything. That's for sure. That's all I have is doubt when I look at it for myself. I just look <laughs> at it and go, I've got no idea. So what are you looking at though? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, mostly you form, have to know what you're looking like, for, like, right? To a certain like, degree, like you know, it might be um you know the very traditional form lines, you know. And still, even that just does my head in. Like I'm oh, looking mate. at the, the Melbourne Cup <laughs> horses, and everyone, like all the things you're putting up in the den, everyone's got a good chance. Everyone looks good. Everyone's you know prepped well. I'm like, well, everyone's going to win then. Well, surely. there's someone out there that's backed every horse. So yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. every race, know. someone they, backs every horse. They all win a percentage of the time, right? So yes. Yep. Well, it's, um, yeah. Thank God for the den. It helps me, you know, clarify <laughs> those thoughts and those ideas. I suppose it takes away some of that doubt that you do have if you're trying to do it yourself. You're yeah. following people in the end, aren't you? Yeah. You're not, yeah. not taking yeah. the guesswork out. Yeah. Uh, this one's from Keith Marriott. When do you bet and why is it so late given MBLs in certain states are much earlier now and often when the market opens? Is it because of the market percentage, more bookies are up or something else? Why do I bet so late? Yeah, probably about 80, 
80% of my bets are late. The reason being market percentage. Yep. So you've got Betfair mainly, yep. which contributes hugely to that less market percentage, which you'd average about 105%. If you're betting early, it's you're averaging about 130%, and then it's slowly working down to about 100 and, I don't know what it is nowadays, 118, 115 with the bookies maybe. Betfair's at 105. So market intelligence as well is quite important, mm. whether it be through Betfair or watching uh, what the fluctuations from the corporate bookies or the tote movements. Mm. So the public money or market intelligence is, is another factor that, that is quite important when mm. I'm betting. Yeah, and we um, often when you come in early, like if you back a horse in the days preceding, yeah, um, it doesn't go very well for you, does it? It does. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, definitely, my specialty isn't stepping into horses yeah. early. Mm. Then you get deductions sometimes, yeah. or mm. and you don't really want to be on it there, or the track might be playing against you. So I've tried early betting. It hasn't. I'm not. I didn't keep records of how I went. It's more just by feel. But mm. I'd rather probably wait, especially nowadays when the market percentage is so high. Mm. Unless I do do. I still do it sometimes, but it has to have to be a pretty glaring error. What are you, where's your... Um, look, I have a couple of guys that help me sort of betting, so they manage most of that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think it depends on your model. So some people know their bets. You just put them on at top flux, especially for yeah. like the Metro meetings or best of the best or whatever it is. It's sort of like set and forget approach. Um, other times your approach might be a bit more fluid and, and you're sort of looking for a bit of help from the market or you might be uncertain about some horses. So you want to see what other intelligence is out there. And, and as King said, the percentage does sort of reduce. Um Early betting is a bit of a trap. There's a few sharp people out there that's you know sniping the sort of early prices and do do well at it. Um, you have to be quick though. Mm. Um, but I've found a lot of cases for every horse you think might drift, mm. they firm and sort of vice versa. So yeah, it's um, going back to that approach. Don't make it any more complicated than it has to and be. And it's if a time just, thing too. There's so many yeah. races. I'm betting, looking at every race every day. It's sort of by the time you get round to it, often you have missed the price as yeah. well. And yeah, then yeah. Yeah. I have people message me and say, "Did you see this thing as like?" four dollars or five dollars or six dollars or whatever like i haven't even opened a race file yet like you have to be super sort of organized so i think it's important don't try and stress about that in my experience on average you can do just as well sort of taking your top flock best of best or even trading in play if you're watching yep. the market then you can taking early prices if you account for the the hits and misses like sometimes mm. you smash it out of the park and get huge overs other times uh, you take unders um, or you get hammered by deductions or especially if something comes out that you were primarily betting against, so a horse that you might have thought was was none but was mm. taking up percentage and that comes out, the deductions mm. sort of cruel. So, mm. yeah, that, that's my advice. Isn't it? Um, so, Jesse Way has kind of asked a pretty similar question. So, I'll read the question out <coughs> if you think we're at anything and we can. He says, what strategies do you use to get best price on a horse? If the horse is above your assessed price, are you happy to take the best fixed price available at that time? What has some factors other than price that you may that may make you wait and take um, starting price or best of the best? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, best of the best is a fantastic product if you can get it. If you can get it, yeah. but they have to be um, on early, don't they? Like you can't. You've got to be on half an hour. Yeah. What other factors do I look at? For uh, so I basically look at Betfair or the Betfair is a huge, huge uh, yeah. guide as to sort of when I place bets. I'm also looking at tote movements. I'm also looking um, I'm also looking for fluctuations from the corporate bookies, mm. like early money. Sometimes it might be eight into 550 in one hit. Then it drifts back to seven, but you know that the there was some, some you know, 
educated punters backed it at eight, so I'll be looking yeah. for that. Um, so those are the three things mainly I look for when I'm placing my bets. Mm. But I wouldn't be deterred by if I miss the price and it's still an overlay for me, I'm not deter- deterred by those early markets. If it's six into $3 and I got it short, I'll still back it. Yeah, yeah. And I've done testing on that and it's still yep. profitable yep. as long as you're taking the right price at the time. Yep. So if it's three fifty on on Betfair and yeah. and and three dollars with the corporates, you you sort of you wait because I'll ease it back out to three thirty mm. or three forty. And mm. one thing you do not want to be doing as a punter is taking three dollars about things that are thra- trading three dollars fifty on Betfair. Yeah. yeah, it's just yeah, un- unless uh, well yeah, I'll just say you shouldn't do it for ninety nine no, point yeah. triple nine percent of people. That's a losing play. So well, yeah, Betfair's the de facto or, market. Well, it's another bookie, isn't it? Yeah, Betfair. Yeah. It's another bookie where you can bet if they're three fifty, and yeah. all the other bookies are three dollars. Well, you yeah. don't take the three dollars. Take, I, I take had the sort of a theory on Betfair, which sort of discussed it with with those guys and and in some of their functions and things like that. That people get paranoid about Betfair itis and things drifting. And I'm mm. a huge one. Just don't buy into conspiracy theories. Mm. Yeah, there's times you look see what happens in a race and you think you've been, you know sort of on the, the bad end of it, but you'll be on the good end as well. So my theory, my approach with Betfair has always been, if you like a horse, you see the price, you like the price, just take it. Don't second mm. guess things about why is it so long on Betfair. And, and I win a like lot that. more percentage-wise on big drifters yep. backing them Betfair SP than I do firmers. Yeah, 100%. I back mm. one on Saturday Cote in Sydney. They're what, just absolutely friendless and still yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, you always yeah. got to try and remember the the legless ones that you back and win because there'll be a lot that lose. Mm. Um but it doesn't necessarily mean there was some conspiracy behind yeah. it or that you took a bad price or Everything's something. Everything's got a price. Yeah, everything's got a price and, and legless horses win um, still in accordance with, with their percentage, especially their price on Betfair. So, um, yeah. Okay, this is from Chris Camilleri, uh, one of the stars of the den and a good friend of yours. Uh, how do you boys handle very bad runs punting? I'm currently going through one at the moment. It is... Is it as easy as sticking to the staking methods used? Do you do anything else away from racing when a rough period hits you? Exercise, time with family or anything else? King. Uh, exercise is hugely important, not only when you're having a, a, uh, a bad run, but also the whole time just for your mental stability. But um, what do I do when I'm having a losing run? I analyze all my, I go back and I check all my past data to give me confidence going forward. Then I'll go and look at uh, my past bets. Am I doing anything wrong? Has the market changed? Am I missing something? I'll refine things a little bit sometimes, definitely. I won't go too, too overboard. Mm-hmm. So I'll, sometimes I'll reduce my stake back 20% or something like that just to, so instead of taking $7.650 about the horses I like, I'll just take the $7 and be a bit more price conscious. But I think when you're having a losing run, the thing that will give you confidence is going back and having a look at your past records, assuming mm. that you've won. Yeah. If you're going back and you've lost, then you need to start yeah. doing something differently. Yeah. I've only at one point have I stopped, which is about – when did I stop betting? For about three months. I think it was about 10 years ago. And I went back and said, this model's just not good enough. And it's mm. the only time I've done it. And I took three months off and rewrote a lot of things. And in that three months, which is the only time I stopped betting in the last, whatever, 30 years, I felt so good. It was mm-hmm. like just – I felt so – my mind was mm. so much clearer. I remember that. We came back I and went fully and, brained it too. Yeah. We had a massive run and then – yeah, I remember that. And then we took some time off and came back and fully nailed it again. So I think things work like differently for – like you can – you know, people need to know, like you go through sometimes a year of not, not making any money. Like, oh, I wouldn't say I'd go through a year of not making any money, but 
I've, yeah, I mean, I have had bad periods, not for a while, but I but have you can, had you can have bad like periods. Three month period where you lose, right? Where you don't. Absolutely, oh, I have a three month period through, yeah. where I, you, if you bet lose, long enough yeah. and have enough bets, you'll go through yeah. three months where you lose. Especially after expenses, yeah. sort of yeah. nowadays. But yeah, I mean, everything's. I think sometimes having time off just to recalibrate and get your mind back on is, is not a bad idea as well. Yeah, yeah. My, I'll touch on that. My go-to has always been. You're having a really bad run, just try and get some space from betting sort of thing, maybe take a couple of days off or even just try and distract yourself like after a bad Saturday, go watch a good movie or, you know, something like that. But in a more technical sense, what Kings was saying, I've always been a huge one of reviewing records. Mm -hmm. So I'd look back over the years and see, oh, yeah, back in this year I had this sort of losing period, exactly what I'm going through now, and then look at the next three months. I just went up and up and up type of thing and it gives you confidence that, I have been through this before, I have managed through it, I have survived and I have come back sort of bigger than ever. Um, another favourite thing of mine, I I'd still do it these days, is look at um, my ratios of, say, wins to seconds. So I might know that um, whatever the ratio is, like my second place are 50% to my winners. And then if I'm going through a bad run, I might look and say, well, I've backed more seconds than winners when I know that the ratio is sort of only half, like mm -hmm. long term. So mm -hmm. I know that I'm just having a bad run. Or I might look at favourites and say oh, I'm losing 15% backing favourites in the last 100 bets. Like you wouldn't do that bad if you just did it at random in the, in the long-term sample. So you know that it's just a bit of, you know, negative variance or it's just, you know, bad luck sort of going against you. So I think it gives you that perspective. Um, and when you can get that, you can take a little bit of confidence that just keep chipping away, reduce your bets, whatever you've got to do, just stay in the game and eventually things will come back and, and you'll be stronger for that experience. Yeah. I think and handling winning runs is nearly just as important as handling losing runs because you can get carried away with yourself, you can get too overconfident, you can overbet. And if you're winning, as I said before, if you're winning at 30 40% on turnover, you know it's going to come back <laughs> and you have to be ready for that. So yeah. if you win $2,000 and then you lose 1000 the losing of the $1,000 is not isn't a bad run. It's just you're getting back to where you should be. Yeah. Mm. So I you did, have to keep it realistic as I well. I did a study once that showed of like quite a few years of my betting that my bank was only ever at a peak sort of 12 to 15% of the time. So if you looked across a day, maybe it's like 40 days a year. So it was only 40 days a year on average that I felt like I was flying, going better than I ever have in terms of like total capital. The rest of the time you're below that mark to, to varying degrees, sometimes a little but sometimes a lot in a losing run. So it's important you've got to get used to that idea that, mm. yeah, peaks are peaks for a reason, that yep. you're very rarely at that level. It's just sort of up and down mm. um, and just stay consistent with sort of what you're doing and know that eventually you'll sort of get back to that peak. But as you're saying, Kings, it's not going to last. You're going to come off again. Mm. So it's important you're not always measuring yourself against your previous high. Otherwise, you know, 85% of the year you're going to feel like you're behind when it's not the case at all. Yeah. Do those bad runs align with other punters? Do you find if, like, Chris is going through a bad run at the moment, is that align with – maybe yours or another, do you discuss I don't those things? I think so. I think everyone does things differently. But yeah. in particular this year, I think it's been a bad run for favourites. So mm -hmm. if you're a favourite punter, then you'd probably be feeling a bit. But everyone does things differently. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. how people find different horses. Winning punters can all find different horses. Yeah. I always think of it like you've got a circle of bets that you make in your method and sometimes there's overlap between what we'll bet, but there's always like a big part of the circle where horses are at the opposite end of the spectrum where kings will back something I couldn't possibly find and vice versa. Yep. It doesn't mean everyone carves out their sort of edge. That's why I say you don't have to be the smartest on every race just because kings like something and hammers it and, and I couldn't find it or you mm. couldn't find it. it. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your approach. It's just mm, not in yeah. your sort of circle mm. um, and, the, and the reverse will apply on occasions as well. So. No, I think that's really important with social media as well. There's so much people getting out there 
beating their chest about every winner they back. And it's easy if you're a punter just trying to do your best, thinking, oh, what's going on? Like all these people winning and winning and yeah. I didn't like that horse. Is there something wrong? It's not the case at all. Just stick to what you're doing. Mm. And, yeah. Um, this is a question that's close to the one we just asked. So answer, so I'll just read it out to see if we can add anything more. It's from Muppado. How do you manage yourself physically this time of year with so many big race meetings at the fore? Are you happy to burn the candle at both ends trying to cover every single facet of the form or do you try and prioritise your sleep, come in fresh and keep it simple? Um, this time of year in particular, especially leading into next week, it's burning the candle at both ends. There's so many meetings and stuff mm. like that. You just have to you know, knuckle down and, and sort of do it. But on a more ongoing basis, you definitely have to be mindful of staying fresh. We've talked about this heaps, you know. Like, For sure. Uh, like, uh, yeah, do your exercise, whatever it is, even doesn't have to be intense, just walking, like getting out in fresh air and walking regularly or something, um, taking some time away to, to go and freshen up and just get away from, from racing. The same as you have to get away from your job if you yeah. work in any other industry. Like, and your family sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's uh, yeah, like it's, it's really important to sort of try and stay fresh and, and keep some balance as well. So, um, yeah, definitely important. But you're a big party of kings. I'm, as I'm oh, not, not so nowadays. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, what's that, sorry? Where's the glow sticks? Yeah. Um, I'm a big partier. Oh, I like a night out, yeah. yeah but, but you're good at Do I burn the candle at both ends this time of year? Yeah, probably, but <laughs> so I gonna, burn the candle Melbourne, at both uh, ends most of the time. We're going to Melbourne. Melbourne, going to Melbourne. For, yeah, um, it should be fun. Call the card and, mm. and stuff. But that's a, it's a great example, like, I mean, whatever you say now is irrelevant because I know it will happen. Like you and Straight Battle get going. <laughs> I'm actually, it, I all, put, it all depends uh, on how big I'll be back in the room is. doing form. Yeah. <laughs> you, you expect I will be too, but these, like, it's going to be carnage with these two. I'm asleep by 9 o'clock most nights. Yeah. 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 yeah, I love it. I love going to bed, yeah. but I'm, I'm very boring. Because yeah. I get up Correct. super early, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, sleep's super important, but I think holidays are important. So I burn the candle at both ends when I'm, when I'm here sort of seven days a week all the time, betting on everything I possibly can, going hard, and then I'll go away for a week or two and yep. then come back and do the same. So I think taking breaks is super important. Isn't it sometimes yep. true you go away on a holiday but then still end up betting on the holiday, yeah. like on the sport, the, the yeah, tennis I do. or something? I do, I do, I do. <laughs> but just a different environment as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah. So we've got five or six more questions. We'll, we'll keep ploughing through. It's great content. Um, and this one is uh, from Nathan G. I think he asked this on the den maybe or – Anyway, I would love to hear thoughts on staking with a bank and staking when building a bank. Any recommended strategies strategies that suggest key form factors time poor punters can try and focus on, especially for those without a database? I mean, we've sort of spoken about bank management quite a lot. Anything more you want to add in about maybe I think what he's looking for is a percentage term. So let's say someone's got 2000 bucks, their bank's $2,000. Uh, my, my advice is to bet to win a certain amount mm -hmm. and have a – uh, percentage of that amount as your maximum bet. Okay, so let's so say 2,000 is your bank. What do you think? Uh, I would bet to win 2,000 is your bank. I would bet to win, say, $200 and with your maximum stake of between 50 and 100 bucks. Okay, so that's, that's pretty aggressive. Yep. Yep, good. Well, you can, you can, you can adjust that. Maybe yep. you should bet to win $100 and he's – his maximum bet's 50. But my maximum bet's normally 50% of what I'm betting to win. Maybe he wants to bet to win $50 and his maximum bet's 25. Mm. Or, but you can adjust those two things depending on your bank size and how aggressive you want to be. But that way you're not, you're not, you're not blowing out too much. You're not having too much on, on 50 or 100 to one shots. So if your bank's 2,000, you don't want to be having 50 bucks on 100 to one chances. Mm -hmm. Great if they win, but mm. 
Um, you also don't want to be having too much on favourites. If your bank's 2,000, you don't want to be having 500 on a favourite. So mm. I find that with those two limits, then everything keeps in check. Yeah. My advice to... would be, depends on that 2,000, what does that 2,000 represent? Is that the only money you've got for betting and if you lose it, you're out of the game and you're going to give it away for six months sort of thing? If that's the case, you need to be a lot more conservative. Um, I'd be, say, like betting to win. I always say, like, or betting to collect, I like to do. So, you know, 5% of that. So it's yep. 100 bucks. Um, so betting to collect 100. So on an even money shot, you'd have 50. On a you know, $10 shot, you'd have 10 bucks. Um, if that 2000 is just a starting point and you think if I was to sort of lose that, I can top it up, but I might not have the money for another three months or something like that, then I would come up with a theoretical bank if you can regularly sort of tip in and say, maybe my bank's actually five. I've only got two now, but I know that I can tip in money down the track and then use that same sort of 5% bet to collect 5% based on the 5,000, mm-hmm. even though you've only got 2,000 at the moment sort of thing. But um, yeah, my personal approach has always been to be relatively conservative yep. um, to, to protect that money and protect your confidence when you go through losing runs. Um, but at the same time, if you desire to bet bigger, you have to pick key times to increase your bets. So I always say every time your bank increases 10%, if you want to bet bigger, adjust your targets and step yep. it up. Um, when I was sort of building uh, my sort of betting, I did that. And it's amazing how quickly your bets can grow when you get on a good winning run. Yep. And it also helps you by doing it gradually to get comfortable with that new bet size. I mean, there was times when, um, you know, you'd have 2,000 on something and you'd be, you know, nervous as all heck sort of thing because it was right at the upper end of your comfort zone. Whereas, say, now it might be mm. totally different sort of thing. And that's different for different people and everyone move. I started off betting, you know, $20 sort of thing like I was talking about before. Um, yeah, so just build it up gradually. Like, But be conservative, sort of be responsible with your money, stay in the game. And if you desire to bet bigger, just keep building it as, as your bank grows and you'll be amazed how quickly and you can be betting in numbers like not necessarily telephone books that Kings is betting about but talking about, but betting in numbers that if you do well over a year, yeah. you can give you yeah. – you know, It's about staying decent, in the game though, isn't yeah, it? quite yeah. a decent profit. Like you just have to stay in the game. I mean there's always going to be races, right, unless the Greens yeah. have their way. So <laughs> – um, yeah, so you just got to stay in the game. I mean, it's an endless string of races. Yep. Um, yeah, just stay in the game, build your knowledge, manage your money well. and, and well, That's a mistake I made with my rugby league model. Went too hard too early and yep. was gone by round four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and really the second out. part of Nathan's question is good one. Do you want to very quickly hit on it? Key form factors time poor pundits can try and focus on, especially those for us without a database. I mean, there's a lot of people out there. So yep. do you want to give us a few? Uh, yep. First thing I'd say would be position in run. Yeah. yeah. If you just focus on nothing else but map and leaders or, or, you know, runners that are fancied in the market. So that means they've obviously got good form. Other punters have done that work for you. Um, and they're going to map well. So they're going to race somewhere up near the lead. If you just did that. And is mapping well racing up near the lead? Yes. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Don't be put off by barriers or something like that. The market adjusts for things mm. like that. Just take mm. the swings and roundabouts. But yeah, if you're time poor, I'd be getting a source of maps. There's heaps of free maps available. Looking at market prices, horses probably under, you know, up to five or six dollars that map up near the lead. Probably in, you know, ten minutes you could go through a meeting, find a few good bets, and you've got an excellent chance of doing well, especially if you're getting best of the best and some mm. cash back, you know, um, plans and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, good call. Uh, any, I agree with Dan, I'd add in yeah. uh, which is really easy, the pick the three best jockeys and trainers for the meeting as well and yeah. add them in. Yeah. Mainly jockeys. Yeah. Give back good jockeys on pace in the market. You not going to lose much. Cool. Let's keep rolling. Probably um, win. Sometimes we complicate the game, right? Yeah. With all this extra study and data and things <laughs> like that. 
Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. If you get Question. a good price about favourites that aren't going to get back, you win every year pretty much. Yeah. Question from Gregory Emblen. Hi, Richard. Please ask the two legends. Wow. How are we going to work out who the legends are? <laughs> two. Please. Yeah. I'll just ask a question. Yeah. Um, please ask the two legends if being a pro partner is the only domain of those that use a database and video to, the, to do their own analysis or can someone who follows paid tipsters with a long and verified history consider it also with uh, careful bankrupt. Was it the same? That was your first yeah, question. You that same that question, like, question. Embarrassing. Sorry. Right. I was going so well, wasn't I? But you left out the legends bit at yeah, the start. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 Right. I would have remembered that. Have, I'm confused. Maybe he asked it. Anyway. I think he said he put it. Maybe he asked, maybe asked on Twitter and email. I thought I went over anyway, Okay. Good man, Greg. He's still um, running around long time. Nicholas Harrington. How do you handle first starters from a ratings perspective? Good, good question. First starters are annoying when they win and... You didn't back them. They are very them? annoying. I uh, look at how many, how, how much market percentage is taken up by first starters, and if it's too high, then I don't bet on the race. Great, great, great answer. Just use the market. I just always have a rule that never, be, never bet against a first starter that's favourite. Thank you. Yeah. Great, great answer. Let's move on. What do you think the future of form analysis looks like? Will there be a shift towards artificial intelligence? Really good question from Harrison Pollock. You did. It, you tried to do a bit of machine learning type mm. stuff, and you didn't. Get Unsuccessfully, very far. I did. Yeah. yeah. I found I spent year not doing it myself, but had someone spending years on it, or about a year or something. But the results I got were profitable, but not much. Do I think that there's a sh will be a shift? I think there's already a shift. Do you think Dr. Nick and Jelko use absolutely? Machine I mean, learning? smarter people than me and and the t people that I got to look at it are using it. So and would using Dr. It Nick successfully probably be down to machine learning? Ah. Oh. I don't know. I can't comment. I couldn't comment on that, but they'd certainly be, certainly be looking at every, whether their their original uh, model could be improved by mach machine learning or artificial artificial intelligence. Yeah, they'd be trying everything, and they're smart enough. So, do is it a shift? Yeah, but there's still yes, there will be definitely. But video work and things like that, there's still going to be edges mm. without that. You don't have to do that to to win. No. Not many people can do that. It's no, really hard. No, super hard. I know a lot of smart people that have put a lot of resources into trying to do that and found there's not much in it. Um, the, the effectiveness of all those approaches is only as good as the inputs, right? If you're just putting in publicly known data, you'll never cut an edge mm. out of it. So, you know, a lot of the Humbletons and all those things are using, you know, unique IP that they're putting into that model. They're also factoring yeah. in the public price, which reflects mm. all of our intelligence, um, and they're grinding out, you know, small edges. I believe Dr. Nick's operation does sort of much better. But, mm. um, yeah, so there is definitely a shift towards that data and, and quants and, you know, all these type of people are like a huge part of the game. But, yeah, it's not going to dominate the game. There's always a space for, as Kings was saying, you know, edges might close and others reappear. There's always a space for individual judgment, expertise in a certain area, intuition, like take, for example, people that watch trials and have a really good feel knowing how stables trial horses, knowing, you know, all those different sort of things, um, that'll always be there. So I think the game will just forever remain so vast that you can win by any number of different approaches. Mm. Um, the biggest challenge is to pick what you're going to enjoy and be good at and just stick to it and not get confused by all the white noise and think, oh, I need to be... Agree 100%. Or I need to be, you know, mm. I need to be pouring over sectional data and sending myself in a spin looking at... You've got to understand what you're doing too. You've yeah. got to understand what works for you. 
as well. Mm. If, you, if that's your go between learning and artificial intelligence, great. Go for it. If yeah. you don't understand it, don't go down that path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. So we're, we're nearly at the end. This is my favourite question and it refers to what I think's probably the greatest 25 minutes of television ever made. <laughs> Equal 25 <laughs> minutes greatest of television ever made, which is the, the show on you from 1998. Uh, you, and, Sean? you and Sean, yeah, you yeah, and Sean, more Sean. Sean. Um, and then there's also another episode, and John which is, Kennedy and yep, Peter yeah. Volandi and yeah. Carla La Rosa. Yes. And then there's another episode which is on PVL, which is yeah, very good. Maybe I'm a weird person, but for me, I just think it's the best TV ever. Obviously, mm. yeah. Anyway, the question is from John Appleseed. Oh no, that sorry. The question is from JT. Interested to know what kind of sandwich he is eating at the end of the video. So this is you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would have had chicken on it for sure. So yeah, you the Randwick really sandwiches remember? weren't they good? I'm more of a uh, hot ham and gravy roll from uh, Rose Hill. A pretty good. Yeah, yeah. the diet. Chicken, chicken lettuce, I'd say. Okay, chicken mayo lettuce. or no mayo? Mayo for sure. If, yeah. if you have seen dry those Randwick. two, if you love I'm the pun, you haven't seen those two episodes on YouTube. Go find them. I think if you look up the Gamblers ABC, you'll find them. They're fucking great. Um, it's a bit of it like a who can recognise the most number of faces like oh in a no. video. We've got to have, we've got to have a viewing. <laughs> it's insane. We've got to watch it. Um, young Kings galloping across the ring. Yeah. Like he looks so young. So young. She's all skinny. Oh, oh. Weren't we all? <laughs> uh, so this is the last question from John Appleseed. A great way to finish up. Do you like any early bets for the Melbourne Cup? Um, what I will say about the Melbourne Cup is I don't think that the winner has run yet in Australia. Ooh. Okay. Do I like any? I'll come back to you with my Melbourne Cup tips next yeah. week. But I don't think the. I thought the Caulfield Cup uh, figures were pretty weak. Yep. And I don't think the winner has run yet. Have you done any form yet, Jai? Um, well, look, I think um, Duville Legend, surely its credentials would have to be increased by the run of El Bodigan on, on, yeah. on yeah. Saturday um, in the Cox Plate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it got beat two and a half lengths or something like that yeah. in, at York. Um, so Duville Legend, maybe. So you've started to have a bit of a look at it? Well, I've had a little bit of a look. Yeah. Um, had and you bet our money? 100 to 1? You had, yeah. Oh, I'm on Loft. I, I think that's Loft, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's your one at 101 Yeah, yeah, yeah. J-Max on yeah. Uzi. Yeah. Saw this I've, morning, couldn't, couldn't pull it up at Trackler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very I've heard it's been working. Have you said on Twitter? On the den. Yeah, great. Yeah, I've heard it's been working pretty well, Loft. So, yeah, but um, definitely Duville Legend. Beat El Bogdan two and a half yeah. lengths or whatever, so. Yeah, I backed Duville Legend a couple of months ago. I did did a thing on RSN, like a bit of a did it last year as well, like a spring carnival sort of forecast. You had to sort of, you know, pick horses, throw darts for races. And, yeah, it came up with Doville Legend. It was like $21 at the time. Ended up, by the time I backed it, was like $15, $16, not for a huge amount. Um, thought it profiled as an old deal Melbourne Cup winner. Northern Hemisphere three-year-old on the up, every run on the up. Um, then it got hammered with like 55 or something, which is an astronomical weight mm. for a three-year-old. Only about half a kilo underweight for age, I think, without checking the figures. Um, significantly higher than any other horse. Um, Greg Carpenter and his team say, relative to all the other horses this year, they're sort of no worse off. I'm not sure about that. I'll wait for the final field. Um, but he definitely looks hard to beat. I think the weight's probably brought it back a little bit. Um, so look, I'm keeping an open mind. I'm waiting for the field to come out Saturday night, get finalised. We're going to be in Melbourne. I'll be sort of uh, looking over the looking over the form, trying to maybe find a few at odds. Put the pyjamas um, on, we'll be getting close to 9 o'clock. At 100%. <laughs> I'll take Probably you. up past 9 o'clock doing <laughs> Saturday night we're on. Uh, I'm going to be doing a runner-by-runner runner preview for racing.com this year. Um, awesome. Like a written preview. So that'll be out maybe on Sunday. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep an open mind and even look at the locals because from the little bit I've, I've looked since that couple of months ago, it looks very, very even this year. 
Um, you definitely have to lean to the internationals, um, but yeah, don't be surprised if I find something at odds, uh, and we'll see what happens at the call of the card. Awesome. Mm. And uh, to finish off, so you're involved in the den, which we greatly appreciate, and you get a lot of offers to get involved in different things, and you knock a lot back because it just doesn't work for you. But mm. I just wanted, if you wanted to just quickly talk about why you wanted to get involved in the den, and yeah, what, yep. what you like about it. Yeah, look. If you do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, that's fine. Well, after meeting everyone except you and Kings, I <laughs> no. Um, look, for me, it's really just been about I'm sort of super passionate about the game and about helping more people to enjoy the game, to learn, to enjoy their punting, to become more knowledgeable, more successful, things like that. So that's the that's sort of the first thing. I think the Wolfdam platform and all that, what we're doing there is a great way to do that. As we mm. said, there's so many smart people willing to sort of share some stuff. Um, I think the current social media landscape could sort of be improved. For me, there's a bit too much of some stuff. And and um, and the other thing is, is just the people involved. I mean, you guys are all like genuine about the punt, genuine mm. love for racing and sport, trying to make the game better. It's not just about, you know, doing stuff for yourself. Um, so that was a huge thing for me. Um, and and we're all real about what the game is. No one's just getting up there putting posts when we're backing winners and making out that it's a certain way if we're – if we're cast, then we're going to say so because that's the reality of the game and hopefully people respect that. Um, and, yeah, so I think it's just about trying to make the game better for yep. everyone and increasing yep. all of our enjoyment and and confidence and success and, and things like that. So I'd encourage everyone, get on the den, up the den. Yeah. It's, um, and it is, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's really just a uh, – I've always wanted to be a community for people who love punting and love sports. Because that's what I love, and like all I want to do with the rest of my life, outside of looking after my family, is watch sport and bet. Yep. And it's true, and and that's why I thought, well, the den would be great because there's a lot of other people out there that want to do that as well. So let's let's pull everyone together and and do it. And it's you know like everyone's welcome, and everyone's just as important, whether you never back a winner or you're one of the best punters in the game. Um, it's it's for everyone, and yeah. So if you're watching this and you and you're not a member, please. Jump on. Jump on. It's easy to download the app or um, go to the website. Um, a lot of fun. It's all free. And, um, yeah, what, what's to lose? Yeah, so. get involved. And I think um, the best proponent of the Up the Den straight bat. So I think you've got to close with a <laughs> Up the Den from uh, Can you, Up the Den. <laughs> Here we go. One for the fans. Great way to end. Thanks, Legends. We'll see you soon. I'll keep being great guests. Thanks to the guests today. Peace. Thank you.